What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. It is our NBA Finals preview show, so you know that means a lot of basketball talk today. We we haven't we didn't do a show last week, so we really didn't get uh, much commentary from the conference finals, which on the West really not much happened. By the time we even did our last show, it was already kind of almost over. <laughs> but uh, the Eastern Conference got very interesting and in a dramatic turn. The Raptors won four in a row. They dropped in the first two games to make their first uh, NBA Finals appearance and defeating the, the Milwaukee Bucks through some heroic performances by uh, Kawhi Leonard, who's just he, – he already was a superstar, and maybe you could argue he's a household name, kind of, but I feel like Kawhi now has gotten on a level that's – he's on a different level now. Yeah, no, yeah I don't think he was household Stardom and yeah. – and and his just pure uh, popularity and yeah. just like, I remember of, of this guy and how incredible he is. I remember uh, this might have been two three years ago. I don't know if you remember when uh, Penny Hardaway, my guy, who I'll talk, we'll talk about later in the show, he made a comment about Kawhi where he was like, Kawhi isn't a superstar, and he said not necessarily that he wasn't. And this is a, at a point you know he had won championships, he'd been an All Star game, but he said. Or one A championship, and he said, you know, not that he's not a great player, because he got a, you know some pushback about it. He's like, not that he's not a great player, but just superstar in terms of his brand, you know. And yeah. obviously, Penny Hardaway knows about you know brand, and I think he's reached that point at this point where <laughs> brand, you know, game, whatever you're talking about, he's a superstar in every definition of the word superstar at this point. I mean, he's he's kind of this, he's kind of the modern day Tim Duncan in many ways. Like yes, in terms of like his like non personality is his personality. Exactly. Like that became Tim Duncan's thing. It was like this guy has pretty much no personality. But Kawhi is like so calm and so mild mannered, and, and and just so always cool under pressure. Like even more than Duncan was. Like Duncan had some personality. I mean, right. Kawhi is just uh, he's just a stone cold dude, and and that's become his personality. I, yeah. If New Balance was smart, I think they could. Do some kill commercials, yeah, I, and uh, with it playing with the idea that Kawhi yeah. isn't very outgoing. Yeah, they've they've started Nike and Jordan Brand. They kind of dropped the ball. They did. They absolutely. focused a lot on like, all right, so since he's not very a fun personality, we're just going to focus on like his game, his yeah. defense, and it's like his game's not really that fun either. Right. But um, New Balance has already started with you know his shoes and stuff. Like the logo is like in, it's it's in like Times New Roman. And you know, it's like just very like generic and stuff. Yeah. So like they're already trying to start like the whole quiet boring thing. They not yeah. so I expect to see more of that. Um hit, watching him play through these playoffs and watching the Raptors um rise up in that last series, a series that we both thought they would win. Um we both stuck to our guns. I don't know if we even got to say on the air, but we both stuck to our guns that they would find a way to win that series even after being down oh two. Um I didn't so know it would be pattern it back to us. <laughs> uh, not to you know toot our own horn, but but ironically, a lot of people were one didn't think they would even win that series. But when it was down O two, everyone jumped ship. So uh, we were one of the few people who stood on the, the Raptors ship. So I'm curious. I've seen a team win the first two games of the series. I've seen a team win the first two games of the series and not win. Last year with the Celtics. So, exactly. You know, I I know you got you got to get to three before you can get to before you can get to four. You got to get to three. Exactly. And um and, and that's gonna be um an interesting shift in this series because they come in as overwhelming underdogs and yet Is that a they're narrative home, that, they're home they're the home they're the home team. They have home yeah. to the court advantage. Is is that a narrative, EJ, that we feel is legitimate? Yes. You think they should be? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. 
Um, yeah, I think so. The the Raptors, um, they they played unbelievable. And for the rest of the show, we can just jump in. I mean, the rest of the show, we got we gotta talk about the Lakers. It's crazy how all this time <laughs> we didn't do we didn't talk about the Lakers last week when all hell broke loose with the Magic Johnson stuff. And I came in today and I'm like. Man, I know we're going to do the show, but it's like, you know, it sucks that we can get to talk about the Lakers and Magic at all. And shout out to Mr. Baxter Holmes. Baxter Holmes. Former shout Celtics out. Beat writer. He came in with the clutchness of clutch <laughs> article to bring back no pun intended. the L.A. soap opera. And now we back in business. Now we have new content. We got new Magic Johnson ESPN interviews to talk about. I mean, this could not have worked out better for this podcast. So we will talk about Magic Johnson and the Lakers and their whole situation. Um, and we'll uh, we'll have a who slams who's trash. A lot of diverse, different um, stories there. So we'll be able to get to a lot beyond just the NBA Finals. So it should be a fun show. Of course, Kendall will have Kendall's court at the end of the show. But stay getting back to your question on this Finals. Yeah, I think that I think that it is warranted. I think that the Raptors they played phenomenal in these last four games. They showed so much grit, so much heart. This is not your father's Toronto Raptors. But Yeah, you know, Damon Stoudemire is not out there. Damon Stoudemire and Marcus you know, Canby is not walking through Davis. that door. Hakeem Olajuwon is not walking through that door. Um, shout out to uh shout out to Amin Elisan uh, for his Patino game. That's the thing that he always does. But for me, Kendall, I say it's still warranted because I think we'll talk about it a lot when we talk more about the Bucks later on, that the Raptors took advantage of a team that was not ready for the moment. Absolutely. The Bucks had every opportunity to close that series out. Now, I'm not saying that the Raptors didn't do anything. They made plays. They go and they played, the same, though. They played great. They go and say do the same thing. Um... They had multiple it's chances to lose no, the game. That's that's a weird. That's funny you say that because I'm not saying like no, but then I remember they were down 17 points three in three straight games. games. Yeah. Richard Jefferson will remind you. Check his Twitter. Oh <laughs> yeah, check his Twitter account. He tweeted the exact same thing, which was hilarious, by the way. Shout out to Richard Jefferson. He's he's yeah. He's it. one of the best basketball personalities. On yeah, he's the killing it right now. I mean, I don't he like. Also does he, color for he's yes always dissing the Knicks, network. but besides that, that's why he does color for for yes network. Right, which is understandable. <laughs> um, but he's been killing it on ESPN. Uh, shout out to him. Someone tried to clown him on Twitter. It was a fan, I think. And someone was like, oh, you know, you already was riding LeBron's coattails. Now you got an ESPN job. He's like, I'm an Olympic gold medalist. <laughs> I'm in the champion. I'm in the, cha- I'm in the three NBA finals. I've led, led teams in scoring. Like, what are you talking about? I, I was like, I'm an All-American, college All-American. <laughs> um, so shout out to Richard Jefferson. Um, but to me, Kendall, I, I just think that the – the reason why I still say, well, it's a good point that the Warriors perhaps did take advantage of a team that wasn't ready for the moment. I, I think that, the, to me, the, the the I guess the reason why I disagree is because I don't think the Blazers' star players ever played well enough to give them a chance, even when they were up. Like, I, to me, like, you're up, I don't care. Like, it, they, they still were kind of ma- making it by playing really good team ball and other guys stepping up, playing well, that Collins. Played really well that series. Seth Miles Curry. Leonard had an incredible game four. Um, Curry. Seth Curry had a great game too. So, so it was, that was kind of the 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 reverse. Normally you say, oh, you need your stars to lift up your reserves, your your reserves or your uh, or role your players. supporting cast or role players. It was the opposite. I thought the supporting cast was kind of carrying the, the stars. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of why I disagree. Where I wouldn't say it's the exact same, but I do get the correlation. 
I guess for me, I just think that the Warriors aren't going to make the same kind of mistakes that the Bucks kept doing over and over again late in these games. The Warriors aren't going to find a way to not get their good, their best players' good looks late in games. They're not going to turn the ball over. They turn the ball over a lot, but I don't think they're going to turn the ball as much as the Bucks were doing these late in these games, especially Giannis. Um, I'd argue that's the Warriors' best skill is besides maybe, I mean, in terms of like, Besides, thir- you know, coming out of halftime and, you know, blitzing teams, I would say argue their best skill is their late-game execution. That's what makes them so dangerous yeah. in these games is that, I mean, they, you can feel close. Uh, they can be down even late in games. But they seem to not make mistakes late in these games. You know, it, the rare time we saw it was in that Cleveland series that they lost. Yeah. You know, where they, they fumbled. And there are times against Houston where they've had, you know, errors and but even in those games it felt like it it felt like the other team was taking it yeah it didn't feel like they were giving it away right, right, right. you know and one series they won another season their series they lost but if it, you know similar to what i thought the raptors did to the bucks and that they they did also take what was being given to them i just don't think the world is going to give them an inch right and i think the raptors are going to need five feet six feet more than just yeah. an inch to beat this team so that's why I think that it's, it's warranted, even if Durant doesn't play a game. Now, what, Which is a question I have for you, right. but you can go on before, you, before I ask. What, now, what, what, the reason I like this matchup, with or without Durant, especially without. But and some would argue, you know, someone made the case, I wouldn't make it, but someone made the case they're a better team without Durant. That's just not nah, true. I just make <laughs> It's just not true. You know, they play a different brand of basketball, maybe... You know, they take note of this and maybe play Durant less minutes or find ways to get minutes for these guys without Durant on the court. But, like, they're obviously Kevin Durant is somebody you'd rather have in the lineup than not. It's possible um, for other guys on the team to play better when a, a great player is missing. Of course. And also that team beat a worse team. Yeah. that's Those two things are not mutually exclusive. Of they course. may sound like they are, but they're not. Um, and it's also possible for teams to win without their best player, without them being... Uh, a, a better a, team, rather than being a better team, but, um, but nah, like I feel like the reason why I think this is a not a terrible matchup. Some people were like, you know, the Bucks would be the the team. I I've always held that, that Toronto would be the, the the more dangerous team, and I I also agree with you on that. The and what we saw from this series, especially, and what we've seen from Golden State in years past, I feel like to beat this team. You need, or to beat Golden State, you need to defend at an extremely high level. Absolutely, it's not hard to beat any team in basketball if you can hold them to under 100 points. It's not impossible, I should say. It's not impossible to beat any team in basketball right. if you can hold them to under 100 points. Toronto did that against Milwaukee. Yeah, they, they found ways to hold them to under under 100. They're an explosive offensive team with a lot of scoring, a lot of shooters, and a superstar in Giannis. And they they held them to under point. They held them to under an average of 100, of 100 points. Um, when Houston was battling battling Golden State last year, you know, even this year, it was they won games through defense. Yeah. You know, they, they it wasn't you would think, yeah, they're running gun Mike D'Antoni. They were winning they were winning those games in the 80s and 90s, yeah. you know. Uh, when Boston gives Golden State trouble, it's cuz their defensive versatility. It's not cuz Brad Stevens is out scheming them offensively. Yeah, when Cleveland beat the Warriors, I mean, you know, that was without Durant, but I mean, their defense in that series was outstanding. Exactly, and so I look at this Toronto team; they're an excellent defensive team. At that point, if, you, if they can do a good job on them defensively, they can steal some games from Golden State. That's why I think this matchup 
is underrated. And what player has given Golden State the most trouble in his in in this reign? Yes, Kawhi Leonard. It's Kawhi Leonard. That goes without saying. So, if we're talking about now, they they're seeing their version. Of, I wouldn't say the boogeyman, but their version of Kryptonite in, in theory in Kawhi Leonard, a team that plays the style of play that um, has given the Warriors trouble. I think. I mean, I think it's not a terrible matchup. The question is just if Durant's not there, what's Kawhi Leonard's fit defensively? Are you going to put him on one of the Splash Brothers? That's, that, yeah, that's going to be an interesting question. There's so much to pick apart what you just said. You said a lot of good stuff. I think um, the one thing that when you mentioned Kawhi, the first thing I thought was, was yeah, that's it makes more sense, and it's not surprising to me that uh, Kerr would sit down with Pop this week. I don't know if you saw that picture of them having dinner together. Really? Yeah. And that told me a lot. Then you reminded me about the issues they've had covering Kawhi pretty much yeah. their whole time since Kurt's been there. <laughs> Man, Pop, I don't, they, I don't like that for I don't like that for Popovich. I mean, he he doesn't owe anything to Kawhi, but it's like really. I mean, Kurt is Kurt is his, his, his homie. Yeah, they're close. So I, I it just feels those like yeah, I I, 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 now. I get it to, he, to, to help Golden State of I, all people they don't need no help. So I know I I get I get all of that I I I, I, can't, I can't say I disagree with any of it but the only bail I would shoot pop with this is that Kurt is legitimately his homie and yeah. I think that imagine, I don't and I, to be honest I don't think he would have offered it I think imagine, he definitely imagine. called him and said hey we can't stop this guy you know him better than anyone give me something. I think I think Pop was in very willing to go. Oh, let me tell you everything I got to say, Steve. I don't think he was heat seeking Kerr to be like, "Yo, fam." No, I don't think he was I either. Some, I got some. I got some info. I'm just thinking, like, imagine if like the Ravens were playing the Patriots uh, during the Brady Ray Lewis years. Yeah. And Rex Ryan met with Bill Belichick. How would you feel as a Jets fan? <laughs> I'm not saying they're close. I don't know what they're close. But let's just say, oh, yeah, they're good friends. They, that's, that's, just, that's, ironic. that's crazy. I can never imagine. I yeah, that would be the craziest reaction ever talking That'd with be the anyone from experience. the Patriots. But, like, it still would be like, really? Yeah, it would be weird. That's a rival in your meet? I, I don't care if you got it close. Yeah, like Ray Lewis ran him out of Baltimore for some reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was like, all right, all right, sit down, Bill. Let me tell you how honestly, to, it would be, tell you, to, you and Tom how to break down. Honestly, it, it would be the opposite. And that, and that would be a much more fun picture. If it was Ray Lewis and Rex Ryan, you know, meeting up. Or John Harbaugh and Rex Ryan. Yeah. But, I don't know, I just don't like that from Pop. But it isn't. It, I didn't hear about this picture. I think that's that's a very interesting I'm assuming thing. it was from this week. I saw it on social yeah. media. I don't see why people would post that and then be, talk about, like, they're about to play. I assumed it was from this week. Yeah. yeah that's a very, that's, that's a very interesting, you know, dynamic going into this. And Pop wasn't in his, like, oh, like, we're going out to dinner, I'm wearing nice clothes. Steve wasn't in. I'm going with nice. They were wearing basketball gear. Right. So <laughs> that was a basket. That wasn't. Oh, we're just friends catching up. That was a. We gonna talk shop. Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of this series and the matchup, I do agree with you that I agree with you 100 that the Raptors were a better matchup than the Warriors because I felt like they were the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah, the Bucks because to me the Bucks, you if you the box it was like you were trying to do what the Warriors do but better. You can never and fight fire with fire. You're never gonna be able the to. Blazers tried that. We saw what happened. No, yeah, the Rockets have tried that. You can't. Yeah. You're never gonna be able to outshoot and outscore that team. You, you're gonna have to win it on the defensive end and just have heroic star 
play star play from your guy. And they have a recipe to do that. They have a heroic star player, and they play excellent team defense. With Kawhi, I don't know because one we got to ask me we got to ask what's his ankle situation. I'm not saying it to make an excuse for him because he he was guarding Giannis and he played still great despite obviously being a little hobbled. With a different cover. But my question is, yeah, I think Giannis in some ways is an easier cover than let's say Clay Thompson for for a guy with an ankle injury. Right. Because Giannis, it's like okay, he's not moving off the ball. When he gets the ball, I know what he's gonna do. He's I can kind of just hell, anticipate yeah. what is gonna happen. With Clay or Steph, you're running nonstop. You're cutting nonstop. That's a way different cover with a guy with a bad ankle. If the ankle is closer to 100%, maybe I don't worry about it as much. But I think for now, I don't know. I, I think I'm putting them on whoever the small. Eagle Dollar? Right. I, I don't know if I'm having him chase any of those guys around yet. At least not, not until not, the fourth quarter. Yeah, not, not, not initially. Not until the fourth quarter. I do worry in this series that um, Toronto is going to have massive issues with Steph Curry. And, yeah. I, I mean, and now that everyone goes without does, everyone right. does. But, I mean, I don't think their guards have any chance covering him. Like, any chance. And Lowry's a good defender. Yeah, Lowry, he's a scrappy defender. But he ain't stopping Steph Curry. And that's the thing. If you put Leonard, what I don't want and what may end up happening is they get blitzed game one because Curry just goes off. Maybe they get blitzed game two also because Curry goes off. And they realize, all right, a game too late. Let's put Leonard on. And maybe it it maybe it helps, but now the series is shifted to Oracle. You know, now they have the momentum. They've already won two games on your own court. Now you basically already lost the series. You know, yeah. like, do you have to just start off the series with putting Kawhi on, on Curry? Just make sure he's not he doesn't go off. That would certainly help on your road to keeping them under 100. If Curry, you can hold Curry to under 25. I think you got to – I think if you're the Raptors, I just don't think you could – you need – Kawhi needs to be so good offensively for them to have a chance. I don't think you can risk wearing him out on that end. Right. Like, I mean, he gave it his all to get them past these last two teams they it's played. Only four more wins, man. I know. But, like, you just got to get to four you more. You got to get four more. But it's like, in order for them to have any chance, he's got he's going to have to average 30. He's, I mean, like, at least. Like, yeah. there's no question. So, I, and think, I don't expect it to be efficient. Like, I don't expect. No, he wasn't efficient. Yeah, he hasn't series. really been efficient most he's of the time. He's been good and very good, but yeah. not efficient. So, like, he's going to take a lot of shots. He's going to get his shots up because none of these other dudes want to shoot. You know, a lot of the time. And I don't, I don't expect that to get any better in the finals. So he's definitely going to have to shoot the ball, and you're definitely going to lean on him offensively. Do you think that – this may sound like a dumb question, and I don't know how loud to say it, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Do you think that the Raptors' chances go up exponentially if Durant is not out there for any of these games? Do you think that their, cha- their chances of winning the NBA championship go up – because there's a question about the, we talked about how you know how good are the Warriors without him? The question, and I, I think it's ridiculous. But I think based on how they played, it's at least worth asking. I think the better question is not only are they better without him because obviously we, I mean, we know Durant's a great player. They're a better team with Durant. But in this situation, we're talking about a guy still coming off an injury that seemed fairly serious, fairly major. Hasn't played in a long time going to be reintegrated into a team that's played excellent basketball in their last series without him. Is it, I don't say is it worth it, but will there be any, 
will he slow them down in any way? Because he's still trying to get it back. And they're, try, they're trying to reintegrate Kevin Durant, and he's being guarded by Kawhi Leonard, and he can't go off because his calf's still a little mm-hmm. funny, and he's being guarded by the best defender in the league who always has given him problems throughout his career. Um, not to mention you're probably also going to be integrating Boogie Cousins at the same time, who also isn't I don't really— think they, I don't think they should play him. I don't think they should either. But at what point is it just a loyalty thing? You know, we promised you. It, that's what it is. We brought you in. That's what. That's, know, that's absolutely what it be is. Playing I, in the I don't. Final. Now I can say I, I don't think they're better without Durant, without any question. But I will say I don't think they're that much better with. with it's a question. Of, yeah. Because it's on a torn quad. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> right. Exactly. They, they're not. I don't think that he. I don't makes think them he moves the needle that yeah. much better. You know, Kevon Looney. I'm not saying he's in Boogie's stratosphere as a player, but fully healthy way he's playing recently. I don't think there's much of a drop off. Yeah. In terms of what, what, especially when Boogie is a, your fifth option, like it's like, yeah. how much more could he give you than right, what exactly. Kevon Looney's giving like you right he, now? He 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 demand, and he's gonna be somebody that you would hope, not you would hope, you hope he wouldn't, but you, he's a guy you would expect it will demand touches. And if I'm if I'm the Raptors and I see him out there trying to cover Kawhi on pick and roll, I'm licking my chops. I'm yeah. running pick and roll against him every single time. Put Siakam at the five. Oh yeah, he's gonna kill. He's gonna kill Cousins. Yeah, you know. Or just put Gasol out there, have him on the perimeter. Like, it, it, it's. I mean, like you said, I agree. I don't know if I would play Cousins. Um, Siakam, I think, is going to also be a key, a big key in this series. Huge key. Because he didn't really play that well in the last no. series. He played great against Philly, but and he's not the same player. But we saw Capella had struggles against Golden State. He's certainly more skilled offensively, so you would hope he could, you know. Play better. Or Milwaukee was just giving him threes that he couldn't make. Right. And he's so good at getting to the basket, but if you just back up off of him and make him shoot, he looks a lot more ordinary if those shots aren't falling at a 35% clip, 34% clip. The guy we haven't mentioned that I would argue is going to be the most important player in this entire series is Draymond Green. I think Draymond... Fair point. I mean, it's the NBA Finals. If If he plays the way he's played in these playoffs, then Toronto has no shot. Because he's been so effective offensively, uh, and I, I would argue almost so dominant offensively. Well, you know, the, the, the ever the since Kevin Durant, ever since Kevin Durant got hurt, the Warriors have reinserted that Steph and Draymond yeah. pick and pop game, and it's it's, un- it's when he's playing like this, and Steph's playing, he's playing. And Clay you, you're not gonna beat. You're, you're not gonna beat them. Looney finishing at the rim, like you're not got, gonna beat them. Yeah. He, those guys are too good. And so it, that's if. That's going to be the X Factor matchup. We're talking about best matchup. I think Siakam versus Green. I, know, I agree with that. Whichever guy plays better, now it may not matter if Green doesn't play good, but Siakam has to play good for the Toronto. Really. Absolutely. You know, like there is no. I feel like if they got if they're going to win, like Siakam's got to outplay Green. Yeah, you know, I agree. I don't think the scenario where Green sorely outplays Siakam, Siakam yeah. and the Toronto still wins the series. I mean, no. that would be a legendary. It would take a legendary Jordan esque performance from Leonard to. to Outweigh that. Another guy that needs to play much better than he did the last series, he can't play any worse, is Danny Green. Danny Green, I think he shot like 14% from the field in that last series. He averaged like three points. Yeah, that's pretty and good. <laughs> I mean, I guess he could average zero. But, but like for a team, for when you're playing as a team that you know is going to try to bury you with threes and you're the other team's best shooter, 14% ain't getting it done. Right. Um, and he's going to be tasked with – Running around with Curry and Clay Thompson. Shooting in the playoffs is not the same as shooting in the regular season. No, this guy's shot great in the finals. He can't shoot. That's yeah. what's weird. You know, the defense gets harder. 
defense can scout you. Those, those those lanes that you thought you had aren't there anymore. Those wide open threes that you were getting, you ain't getting anymore. It's a different, it's a different game. Um, he's got to step up. Like you said, he's done it in the past. He's been uh, clutch in the past, but um, you know who else is going to be important, even more so than Danny Green. Not more so, but at least this guy who kind of replaced production is Powell. Yeah, Powell was great in the last you know, series. Yeah, he def- definitely replaced the production. So, like, if if Powell can can also play great, if you can get both of those guys to play, like, I think Toronto has the pieces to win this series. I'm not saying they're gonna win it, but like, I could see a path where if all you guys play really well and play well in the defensive end, especially, like Powell is a good defensive matchup for the, the Splash Brothers because of his athleticism. Yeah, like he's somebody I could see them. Like, if you had Lowry and him in the backcourt, or even him and. Green, I mean, offensively, that doesn't make any sense. But, like, I could see those guys defensively doing the job on the Splash Brothers as best as you can, along with having someone like Kawhi Leonard. Well, I think, I think, there, are, I think there are avenues for them to play together if you, when, when uh, McKinney gets in the game, you could move Lowry off of those guards and have him guard McKinney. He's strong yeah, enough to probably, do it. Yeah, he probably, he probably and you want to save cut Lowry's offense a little bit, and you had Powell out there. You maybe play Kawhi at small ball four. Um, there, I think I think you're gonna see that. I think right. you're gonna see those guys guarding both of those guys in this series. I definitely think that's gonna happen. Yeah, because the Warriors with the role players that they have, as weird as they are, you can are, hide guys on. The you way. can hide guys on a lot of people. Quinn Cook, McKinney, even Iguodala. Like you can you can hide somebody. And again, Lowry's not a bad defender. He's not someone you gotta hide per se. But I do agree rest that him save him. I do agree that you want to rest him and save him, and that Green and Powell have the profile to to give you. I have as close as a chance you're going to have right. at trying to stop a team like that. A lot of this sometimes it just comes out to Curry. And this is going to be Curry's moment. You know? Like, this is his. It fit, that's why, man, it, this feels like this is his time. This is his and moment. And I know. He's waited for it since they lost that series. Yeah. He hasn't had it since they lost that series. Is it crazy? Uh, I don't I don't want to say that I, I don't wish injury on anybody. And I, I wish Kevin Durant didn't get hurt. But I kind of don't want him to come back. Oh well, I mean, I mean, you know me. I'm, I'm not happy. Oh, I mean, I'm happy he's not seriously hurt. You know that. That's all I'll say. So I'm happy <laughs> Kevin Durant is not seriously hurt. You know, I said that at the time, but I think this is good for the game of basketball that he's not out there right now. You know, for whatever reason, minor injury, he'll be back. He'll make plenty of money. He's he's gonna be fine. But um, I do think it's great for the game of basketball. And now we get our shot with Steph Curry as the guy. Um, in this moment, because he again he hasn't had that opportunity to redeem himself in that in that 2017 final or 2016 finals, and he's going up against a star who is at his level or yeah, maybe at his even level. better. Yeah, I mean most people will probably say above him at this point, but certainly on the same tier. And because it's not as if even if he was going up against Giannis, people can make the oh Giannis that was that was young Giannis that was Giannis was in his prime. First time being there, it's a little yeah. different. I mean, remember people make that excuse with LeBron when they beat Durant. You know, right. LeBron <laughs> Durant's first time. You know, it was you know it was a little different. He <laughs> got a great player regardless. Yeah, come on. But like these guys make these excuses. Man. But like, I mean, if he does this against Kawhi, at this stage of his career, without, the way he's without, playing without Durant, out there. without Durant, were, I mean, of course he still has a stacked team. But I mean, this is still very much a who plays better between him and Kawhi. Yeah, if he plays poorly, if he plays poorly, I don't think they're gonna win. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, I just, I just, and we've I don't seen think Curry. They, I, don't think, I think he's gonna. Smoke you know, we've seen guys. Curry. I mean, when was the last time he he did play great in the finals? Last year. 
Yeah, last year he did play well. That's crazy. That's see, that's the crazy thing about the Curry. narrative isn't that he played. The well. narrative behind Curry's playoff performances is, is just is ridiculous. He had one bad NBA Finals, and that was the year they lost. But every other Finals he's played, his numbers are great. Like that. How? Is, what about the first? The the he averaged twenty six points and shot forty five percent from the field. That's not bad. I guess I don't know what he wanted to do. You know, when you have like, these four game series, it's hard to. I mean, he he probably had bad performances. You know, but I mean? everybody has some bad games. Like I, like this revisionist history we have with guys and Jordan, not Jordan, but Kobe definitely had plenty of bad finals games within finals. But when right. you looked at the totality of those stats. His stat line always looked 35 and 5, shot 44 to 43, 45%. Right. He had a great series all those years. Of course, you're going to have some bad games. But I guess people sometimes, when they compare him to Kevin Durant, and then you look at Kevin Durant and, like, he had no Kevin bad Durant's games. a killer. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Kevin Durant is, is, is an offensive machine. Right. That's he like. He shouldn't have any bad games. Wait. But, like, honestly, if people really decide to just go look, because I did it this week, because I was curious. Just go look at Steph Curry's numbers in each of these NBA finals. There's only one final you could say he played poorly. And I would admit, 20, he averaged about 21 and shot 40% from the field. He didn't play well. There's no question about that in that year series when they blew that 3-1 lead. Right. But every other series, and that's the seven he's, played, he's played very well. Now, you could say, okay, well, it's a little below what he's normally done. Most guys, stats in the finals and in the playoffs dip a little bit. It's the greatest of great players that play better. LeBron, Jordan, Kobe, you know, like the the like the the Dwayne Wade, pantheon. The, yeah, the pantheon of the greatest clutch performers of all time. Yeah, those guys' stats go up, but for a lot Perry. of great players, their efficiency numbers and those numbers they dip a little bit, and they dip slightly for Steph Curry in those series. But it, I, I think his problem was he never had the the like what's the core like the the signature. Performance. He didn't have the. I scored forty. You know, in game six or game whatever. Whenever LeBron scored forty against and Kyrie scored forty in game five to send it back to Cleveland. Like he de- he never has had that moment. He didn't have the Jordan flu game. He didn't have the Kawhi shooting thirty eight shots and shooting over Embiid to win a. You know, even though it was a regular season game or a regular playoff game, a Eastern Conference semifinals. Because he's never had that moment. I think that that's we now. His like failures become heightened in our minds when we talk about like, oh, he ain't as great a postseason player as he is a regular season player. When it's not true, you don't win. How many champions you got? Three. You don't yeah. win. You can't. You don't win three championships and you're a bad postseason player. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely feel like the, the the and look, it's been a while. Like the thing with the Warriors is when you are this dominant, you've had this many long postseason runs, like. These things we start these these moments start to overlap. History starts to yeah. kind of kind of get muddied. You know, it's like people misremember when things happen. They'll forget great moments because like they're a great team. So if Curry had the game, I'm sure. I mean, I remember I lived it. There were definitely times during his postseason runs and probably against in the NBA Finals, which for which he has three championships, where he he had incredible made incredible plays, had incredible games. Nuke teams, but like you said, it has it's nothing nothing historical yet. Nothing yes, that exactly you know like I mean this this playoff run, the game against Houston. What was it, game six in Houston or was yeah. it game, game six in Houston? I mean he was incredible. Yeah, you know like 
I don't know if we're gonna go back six years from now and remember, yo, remember that game six in Houston, twenty nineteen. Well, I I even point to game seven or game seven against Oklahoma City when him and Clay went crazy. Yeah, you know, that, or game six. I'm sorry, game yeah, six game, and, and on the road. And they were yeah. down. You know that game. I I still point to Clay. Clay, Clay that was a that was a signature because he stepped out of, out of he stepped up in a way that we hadn't seen yeah. really. Um, but obviously Curry was great in that game as well. Um, but nah, this is uh this is a, a very signature moment for Curry, and it'll you could argue you can make it break his legacy. I never I agree I I do agree. You know with I don't like ever talking about a guy's legacy while they're still in their prime while they're still playing. You know that's why I don't like talking about the LeBron stuff. I'm like he's. He's still playing. He's still got a lot of story, time. Story's not, story's not story's over. Not, not closed yet. You know, Marcus Peters will say, we ain't done yet. <laughs> I think we ain't done yet. <laughs> but, um, so I don't like talking about Curry. This could be make or break. But, like, in, in the in the especially in the world we live in now where, you know, we talk about narratives as they're happening. I think, and we talk about legacies as they're happening. This is going to be an important chapter in Seth Curry's career, whether or not. He uplifts his team without Durant and wins yeah. the championship. When people counted them out when he got hurt, all the people that said there's no way they win in a championship without Durant. If, now, I, I mean, I would hope he would win Finals MVP. I think he kind of has to for them to win. You know, Clay Thompson, I guess in theory could do it, but and I guess Draymond, in theory, also could. But um, I think he pretty much has to win it. Uh, you know how much of this would have never this narrative wouldn't exist had no idiots just given him the first finals MVP like he deserved. I mean Udala did play great. He played good, but his numbers aren't close to Steph Curry's. All, wait, what about all the people that talk about Iguodala outplayed LeBron? Look, well I, I, never, all I never I I've, well, all the I've like, never said that. You like, man, LeBron let Andre Iguodala outplay him. I've never said that. <laughs> I've said what I've been saying is I don't understand how you could be the greatest player of all time and for the time you lost, your man was the final MVP. That, that, <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's, that's I'm sorry, I can't it. understand that. That's not, not a good look That's at not it. a good look. <laughs> it's just a call on how I see it. But, no, I've never once said that he's ever outplayed LeBron James in those series. In fact, LeBron's numbers in that series were historic. Were great. Were unbelievable. And my thing was, I kept thinking, they should just they should be co-MVPs. Like, I always like, say that. Like, Andre definitely deserved so much praise for how he played. He played unbelievable, given like how he played during the season. It was like I didn't think he could do this, and then try to his his way of trying to stop a LeBron James in the prime of his career way he did. It was remarkable. But I mean, come on, like Steph Curry led the team in scoring, led the team in assists, shot a good percentage. Like like the fact that he didn't win that, like is not, like now that just keeps being held over his head when he should have won it that year. Like if they they would have did the right thing. And like just giving it to Steph, that would, none of this would have really be happening. But uh, that's like the original sin that now has it to where we are um, today. I'm trying to think if there's any other. Oh, you asked the question. I asked you the question before. We never really answered. But I want to ask you again. Like, Do you think Durant's gonna play? No. Well, I, I am curious about that. So you can answer that. But also, are the Raptors' chances exponentially that much better with Durant if he doesn't play? Or do you think that their chances of winning are kind well, of yeah, I mean, similar? Like, like I said, it's an interesting it question. Much. It's an interesting question because, you know, Durant, uh, like I said before, may not be 100%, basically. May not be 100%. You're going to have to reintegrate him to the offense. So it's not crazy to think that he could hurt them mm-hmm. in this series, in this moment. but Or Toronto can't take advantage of his presence. Um, exponentially, I, I mean, I think this team's a great team with him. I think they're a great team without him. You know, I don't know. I think the series is different, but I don't. I, 
I think it's a, it's a tall task either way. You think it's a, Toronto's it's got to play it's great? Steep hill regardless. If Toronto plays great, they'll give themselves a chance either way. Uh-huh. I don't think Golden State is unbeatable. He, I know that because Houston, two years in a row, have gotten very close to beating him with Kevin Durant. Yeah. So they're not unbeatable in any scenario. And I've seen them getting beat without Kevin Durant. So they're not an unbeatable force. But with that being said, uh, Toronto's going to have to play excellent, excellent basketball to do. Do you think he plays? Uh, he's traveling, he's traveling tomorrow, the team now. But he has not done any practice with the team. He hasn't worked out with the team. Yeah. He's only shot by himself. Uh... If this series goes like six, seven, I wouldn't be surprised him out. There. You think he has to go deeper in the play? Yeah, I don't think he'll play in each first four. I think he's Man, I have to. I think he's gonna play if he gets back to Oracle. Well, I think I think he's gonna play when he gets back to Oracle. I mean, if I'm Toronto, you know, Toronto is, is such a weird. I keep saying it, but like it's such a weird home court advantage team in the series. I feel like they gotta win one game. <laughs> I've never had a team with, with home court advantage. I'm like, yo, man, y'all gotta get one. Yeah, just get one. Just man. give y'all, a ch- give yourself a chance. When like normally the home team's like, yo, we gotta protect home court. Like, yeah. and of course they should try to win both games. But the Warriors are so good. It's yeah, what are like, the odds that they're gonna go up two zero? It's like Golden State ever gone down two zero in a series? I can't imagine that. No, I don't think they have. So like, not in this recent yeah. era. So like. I mean that's that's that kind of goes without saying that. That's you're not just happen. giving you're gonna give. You're gonna have one. to win one in Oracle. You're gonna, you're gonna have win to. a championship. Yeah. If you can't, then you know you, you then you don't you don't deserve to be champion. Yeah, you know because teams have done it. It's not an impossible feat. Yeah, teams have done it this year. So the Clippers did it twice. Exactly. So you know I think this Warriors team. The one thing I will say real quick is I think why they've looked better without Durant mm-hmm. is I think they're attention span or their intensity they're a little more wired and a little more focused without Durant mm. I think they realize we're weak now you, yeah, we, you know, we don't have the margin we don't have the margin for error that we know don't nearly have the margin for error with Durant they can kind of lounge around oh we lost the game oh snap and then turn on the switch and beat LA by 30 yeah, when, they, when they're down by 17 the, the players they realize we have to win these games yeah. we can't give them away exactly so I, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see like like I said this team come out in game one and just just route Toronto, and then people, oh, are they better without Durant? Clearly, they're better without Durant. It's like, or maybe they just realize we gotta win these games yeah. before he gets back, so that you know we can give him as much room and time as possible. Do you think that there's any? I got a little bit of this vibe that worries me a little bit about Toronto. Do you get any feeling that they won their NBA championship? Yeah, Kyle week? Lowry certainly did. <laughs> he certainly looked like he won a championship. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't a huge fan. I understood he went through a lot, but that know. dude went through a lot. I always gotta give him a break. Played, played. You know, he's played a long time in that in that city. But I mean, Kawhi. You Kawhi, was, Kawhi was the only guy that was acting like, "Yo, y'all gotta chill." Yeah, <laughs> like he was the only guy. Like he's like, "You're the best players." Like, I don't care about that. Yeah. You gotta win a championship. But yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it, like. Memphis Grizzlies tweeting that from Marcus Soul. Congratulations. Like, yeah. he hasn't won anything yet. Yeah. Exactly. What are you congratulating him for? Yeah. Like, this is like, Memphis, like, Marcus Soul was like, yeah, I feel like Memphis is all with me. I feel like yeah. Zach, Zach Randolph and Tony Allen with me. I'm like, y'all haven't won anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, like, I mean, it's certainly a moment. I mean, I would have been excited if the Celtics, I mean, I was extremely upset when the Celtics didn't make it to the finals last year. You know, it's just getting there is certainly an important feat. But, I mean, we got the Warriors, though, man. It even looks more crazy. Exactly. Because <laughs> it's like, this should not be anything you're excited about. You know, like, this should be something that we, where we are, we got to take this really serious. Like, we can't just mess around and just think, 
you know, we're gonna like going to the Super Bowl. You know, you're one win away. You're one game away. Right. Yeah. You know, anything can happen in one game. If you're a series, like you're a, this is a long time before we're talking about winning a championship. It's like a month. You're almost a month away from, from right. actually hosting that hoisting that trophy, that Larry O'Brien trophy. You can't be talking. You can't be acting like you won a championship. And look, it's a great feat, great for the city of Toronto, great for the franchise, great for guys like Lowry and Gasol, vets that haven't been there, but and have gotten close. But man, and big a big shout out to Masai Ujiri, who I just got to give him a, a big applause. Masai Ujiri, man, he, he took a lot of hate this offseason. A lot of people saying he did a terrible job. Yeah, he was him and Kevin Durant, the number one one and one A snake. Yeah, I mean everybody talk about how he snaked. He snaked uh, 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 DeMar DeRozan, getting him out of there. and Dwayne Casey. Yeah, and what he did to Dwayne Casey. Like, Go to the year. I mean, those were the two of the guttiest moves you see from a GM. You know? And we can't say a damn thing about it today. No, not at all. And I've seen some Raptors fans say they felt bad that... I haven't really heard anything say about DeRozan, probably because of how he played. But I've heard a lot of people, fans say that they were like sad that Casey couldn't get that moment. Because Casey really built that team to play yeah, the way they play. Yeah, they, they, that culture was instilled by Casey. You know, I, I'm sure some of Nick Nurse's coaching style, I mean, his assistant was adapted from James, from Dwayne yeah, Casey. Yeah, probably almost all those guys are you know? Casey guys. Um, so, I, absolutely. Uh, you he know, didn't have the, the benefit. Nurse got Kawhi and he, he got yeah. Juan DeRozan. So, that's, they got what they, Yeah, honestly. You, like, get what, you get what you pay for, so to speak, you know? Like, it sucks. Like, I don't think that Casey's a worse coach than Nurse. have to go through uh, LeBron. <laughs> exactly. So then he got even a double whammy right there, in a good way, uh, of, right. of not having – not only you got a better, much better star player, but now the LeBron's out of the conference. But there's no doubt that this team certainly – like, those guys deserve credit. Like, Absolutely. Kawhi, obviously. Absolutely. You know, stepping up the way he did. And Masai, Nick, Nur- Nick Nurse, I, I think coaching – with, he uh, has a great feel for this. He for, does for this team. Coach went a lot of with a lot of nerve. Getting down 0-2 the way they did, some of those lo- going down. I think even two on the Philly. Like there were times where, like every time you thought, oh here we go Raptors, like right on cue. Like he seemed to always get the team back to where they need to be. Right. He coaches with a level of poise and a level of calmness. Uh. That I, I honestly, sometimes I thought Casey laughed a little bit. I thought in the Cleveland series, I saw him panicking on that sideline a little too much. Um, look, LeBron is hitting twenty-seven foot fadeaways. I mean, I, I might be panicking too. Right. But I'm just saying, I I, I think that I, I don't, you know, I, I think that people who were mentioning Casey that they weren't taking anything away from Nurse or taking anything away from Kawhi, but. But I do think that those two gentlemen are also why they are here, no question. Especially, and I think Nurse is no question the reason why they are here. Yeah. Um, I think we've exhausted pretty much every topic about these finals, so you gotta give a pick now. Uh, I got uh Warriors in I got the Raptors in seven. You have the Raptors winning the, the Raptors. NBA Finals in seven I got games. The um, uh, game. If it gets to seven games, it's gonna be in Toronto. I give me think, one game. I don't think that matters. With uh, give me one game. The Warriors, Warriors proved me a lot last year. They could win on the road in Game Seven. Uh, I'm going. I'm gonna go Warriors in five. 
I, wi- I wish I could say it was going to be more competitive. But I don't think these guys are going to be bad games. I don't think it's going to be a last year's final. The last year's final was after, hot after game one, though, yeah, after he was terrible. <laughs> it was hot garbage. Game one was was great. I think these games will be very entertaining and very competitive, but I I just think that they just they just I, to me they just need another guy. They need another scorer. If you know Kyle Kyle Lowry was now ironically I think he's he's a better playoff player than he was three years ago, but he was the explosive player he was in the regular season three years ago that I had today with the Raptors. Maybe I'd give feel a little better about giving them a shot. But I think that that point guard matchup is a is a pretty wide margin. I think that the shooting guard match is a pretty wide margin, um, and I don't know what I'm going to get from Siakam. I you know he's going he's going to be going up against an even better defender than he went up against in the it's, last series. This is a this is a, a question well we ask. Is Gasol he's playable in this series, right? Because um, if he is, he's going to be extremely dangerous. But if he's not. Which against Golden State, and Golden State team seems, are hard to, to, seems to always find a way to just get rid of your center, but your plotting center. But Milwaukee tends to do that too, and they he he was guarding Giannis. Yeah. So can he guard Draymond? I, I'm a I'm a wager that he can. He's he's an he's an excellent defensive player. He's a former defensive player. That of the could, year. that could also be an, an X factor. You know, that could be an X factor. Now the different the problem though is that Gasol is not the player he was offensively, so you Can don't you get the benefit yeah. of having a big five out there the way you normally would. Like he's not going to be able to score on Draymond Green better than he would any normal NBA center. Because he's not going to score on Iguodala, you know. And he's not going to be able to score on it. He's not going to take advantage of a smaller yeah, guard exactly. forward like he would normally would, like they have yeah. in previous series. So that's why that's why. It, I, I think that this is the better matchup in terms of if you wanted a team from the East that had a shot at beating the Warriors. Ibaka certainly can can play this series. He needs to play better, too. He was terrible in the last series also. The Raptors are going to need a lot of unsung heroes, man. They're going to need Ibaka. They're gonna need, Fred Van Vliet started to find his shot in the last few games. Uh, they're going to need him to play big time. They're going to need pretty much all the help they can get in this series uh, and then some to give themselves a good shot. Because we know Curry and Thompson, they're gonna keep coming, and even when they you got them up, they're they're only a couple of minutes away from bringing you right back in the game. And then you know palms get sweaty, you know uh, you know uh, you know things get tight, and 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 then it becomes tough in these NBA Finals games. But I'm excited though, and I know I'm only predicting a five game series, but I, I am very excited for these NBA Finals. It is to me, Kendall, even though it's the Warriors yet again, there is a breath of fresh air. That it isn't the same damn Cavs Warriors matchup. The fact that it's new team, new star player, like there is to me a different energy to it because it's, and it's a team that's never been to the NBA Finals before, a city that's on fire. Drake's gonna be there. It's new energy. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm digging it. Uh, and now what that means for the play on the court, we we will have to wait and see. There is that feeling of like Kawhi's a great player, but it does lack that. And it helps that Durant's not there, but it still does lack that, man. We got the super team. Like, at least with LeBron, it was like, all right, so we got the best player in the league versus the best team in the league. Like, can LeBron just I overcome think, it? I think we may have the best player in the league. And, and look, Kawhi, <laughs> Kawhi can, can certainly turn that narrative in one or two games. But, you know, going into it, you know, I think, I, I'm not saying I don't even agree with Like, I, I think he's on that level at this point where, like, I think he can single-handedly beat this team. And well, not single handedly, but like I think he can with great performance carry his team. Give his team yeah, a I think he can every carry time. his team to a championship. Um, but 
you know, I don't think the rest of the world sees it like that. So, you know, that's something to consider. Um, the team that did not make it to the NBA Finals, we're not wasting time on the Blazers, obviously. Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit about the Bucks real quick because uh, immediately, up. <laughs> immediately after they lost, um, Malika Andrews, who covers the team for ESPN, which is kind of weird. Like, why does why he, is there an ESPN Milwaukee Bucks, Bucks report? beat writer? How many? They don't have a beat writer for every yeah, team. They, do they? Yeah, they 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 laid off like. <laughs> have to have to and like some the of their staff. beat writers like only do print like she's like almost, she's almost more of a television I don't want to say more I don't know but I've seen her a lot on television she I mean I've never seen her I've never seen her on television but I don't watch I've been seeing a lot so. of this season well I've seen a lot of her hits on Sports <laughs> Center and stuff um clearly she's been very close to the team all year but it seemed like she ruffled some feathers after the uh the game they lost I think it might have come out like five minutes after the, the final buzzer uh, whistle blew, whatever you want to call it. Buzzer rang, whistle blew, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, she had, she put out an article basically saying that the Bucks are on the clock. That Giannis, having missed the finals this year, now will be looking at next year as perhaps a tell-all sign as to whether or not he should resign with the team long-term. This obviously put Bucks fans who were already distraught over the loss into more of a panic. Giannis, in his first interaction with Malika on in public, walked out of the press conference when she asked a question. That had nothing to do with his future, by the way. It was about like experience in the postseason. He just walked away. He left the podium. Chris Middleton had the funniest reaction I think I've ever seen to a guy leaving the, a postseason press conference or any press conference like abruptly, which happens all the time in sports, but his reaction was golden. I felt like he was like, I felt like something from the office. Um, Kendall, do you think that there is, I'm not going to say there's no truth to this because as someone who works in journalism, I feel like you're hearing something from somebody. It's not making, you're not making up stuff. But do you think that there's any truth or how much validity do you put into the reports that Next year could be a crucial year for Giannis in terms of his decision making if they don't make the finals. Uh, uh, I mean, I think this year was was important. Uh, I think it was important in a positive direction. I think this playoff did not help. Um, I, I I think it goes without question. Look, these guys. Do I think Giannis right now thinks he's going to be Milwaukee long term? Yes, but that's because he's on a contending team that has a legitimate chance of winning a championship. He's not worried about where he's going to be in three years right now. He's trying to win a championship. Um, do I think that if come next year they still can't get to the NBA Finals and there maybe is a path that that gets tougher? Do I see him? That, do I do I think there's a chance that he would ask out? No, yeah, ask out. But do I think there's a chance where he would be non-committal and staying long-term in Milwaukee? Absolutely. He's too good of a player to commit to staying long in this NBA with the Star Wars. I'm not saying he's a Star Wars type of guy. That he's going to join up with all these super teams, but you'd be foolish now to put yourself in a position where you're you're not in the best case. Your best, you're not in the best situation or best fit for you as a player. But here's the problem with. But to me, here's the problem with that strategy because that's the LeBron James strategy. That's the I'm not going to commit until you show me, uh, re- give me reason to believe that you can build a champion or build a right. team that's competitive. The problem with that though is it 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 hampers that team's ability to upgrade the roster because you can't recruit 
players are signing free agency. Guys, Milwaukee's a better city than Cleveland, but it's not a, a free right. agent destination. But our guys, get, coaches, don't want to come where, there. Where is it's, the? It's, it, where, it creates where, other issues. Where is the avenue for this team to improve? Well, that's to me that's m- more concerning. Like, then if they had mad cap space and free agents they planned on targeting, then. I think he'd be fine. I think he'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna actually, re- actually recruit guys. Because again, I think his future is in his mind in Milwaukee. So you think you think I'm just saying from a, a year from now, if things don't change, and you, that, and you, and you think there's mean, a legit chance that this team is peaked. I mean, yeah, if you look at the situation, I mean, dude, a lot of free agents. You, are you gonna bring back Middleton? They got him. You, you have to. So you're gonna sign that dude to a mass contract. Where's the <laughs> money gonna go? You know where the they money going to be. They still got to sign Brogdon. They still got to sign Lopez, Lopez Miritich. They're losing probably at least one, maybe two of those guys. Uh, I believe Ilya Silva is going to be a free agent as well. Um, not that those guys aren't replaceable, but you got to find new guys like that. I don't. For a I don't tell you what. I don't know if Lopez and and Brogdon are replaceable. Brogdon's not replaceable. No, he's Lopez, not replaceable. I mean, they, look, my logic is look. You they, they, they found seven Lopez, foot one snipers like they, they found Lopez find for a minimum guy. contract. I'm not saying that he, I'm not saying he's out there, but, but they found Lopez. They can find. But they found. But Lopez is like a ten million dollar player. Like that. Like clearly, he's on a minimum. Like the, the chance you're gonna get a, the guy who is a minimum who could play the way Lopez did this year. It might be a buyout guy. I'm not. I'm not saying that. It, I'm just saying those guys aren't like Middleton is irreplaceable. Like right. Unless you can find another max guy, you're not gonna find somebody that's gonna give you the production Middleton. Right. Uh, at least not easily. Like in theory. I think I do agree that in, in theory it's probably unlikely you'll find somebody that's going to give you ten million dollar production, fifteen million dollar production at three million dollars. Yeah, that that's, that seems hard to find. Um, Brogdon, for where you drafted him, you're not going to be able to replace that guy. You know, you kind of have to keep him, um, especially as the dollar he was making. So the thing is, like, I mean, look, the perfect guy for them would be Anthony Davis. I, he's not mm. going to commit to staying there long term, but if Davis was serious about winning a championship. He would seriously consider going to Milwaukee. I don't think I don't know How if Milwaukee has the there? assets. Yeah, they have to trade for him. They don't have the assets to get him. I don't think sign and trade with Brogdon or Middleton or Middleton or both. Is that even allowed? Yeah, I don't know if you can do that. But mid, you know, that's, Bledsoe. that's why they're they're kind of a tough situation. I I told you off air, and I and I told our brother Henry off air, and I'm saying on this show, I think that, I think they got to sign two of the three, preferably Lopez and Brogdon. But I mean, obviously, those are they're better than Miritich, so they might it might be harder to keep those guys. Um, I think you got to keep at least one of those guys, and then maybe bring back Miritich. They can't lose two of the three. I think that would be a, a killer. I think though, I think they also got to look at who they've been drafting. And say, all right, you know, is a kid from Michigan ready to play? DJ Wilson. Like you draft guys in the first round, like to so that when free agency comes up, you can't pay these guys. Other guys step in. Dante, Divincenzo. Di these are guys like Divincenzo fits right into the Brogdon. They drafted Divincenzo seventeen. DJ Wilson fits. DJ Wilson right into the Miritich role. So if you draft these guys in the first round, at some point you're expecting them to, to produce. Connaughton played well for them. So Connaughton was great. He can, yeah. I think he's be a starter or a solid rotation player from going forward. I've told you, I think that the move, the biggest issue I had the Bucks this year watching them in the fight in the playoffs was I think that they lacked a floor general. And everybody wants it's popular to just bang on Eric Bledsoe. I'm not even doing that. Eric Bledsoe is who he is. He's a pit bull 
tough, uh, excellent penetrator at the guard spot, a scoring guard, lead guard. But he's just not a floor general. And I think the problem with the Bucks in this series was when the Raptors decided that, okay, we're going to wall off the paint. We're going to be on a string defensively, basically playing pack line style defense on Giannis. And it was him basically just going one on five because the Bucks like to play five out. They don't really run a lot of traditional sets, so to speak. They had, didn't have a clue on how to get a good shot. And the problem is when you have a, a point guard like that who's not in a position to call a play or, or get in a pick-and-roll situation to get Giannis a good shot, you see the random basketball we saw the Bucs playing in the fourth quarter in a lot of these games. I think the Bucs need to target Mike Conley. Mike Conley, I think, will absolutely be available um, this summer because I think that they're going to draft John Morant with the number two pick in the draft. I think you got to target Mike Conley. I think Memphis will be willing to give him up because they can get out of that contract. And you trade Bledsoe for him? I would trade. I would trade Bledsoe for him. I, think, and, way, I feel you make the money work. Well, the problem though is I don't know if Memphis wants Bledsoe. So then be a three team you got to get a three team, third team involved, and perhaps maybe a third team can give them a young piece or or a salary piece that makes it work for them. And I think that that trade is possible. I don't. I don't think that they have the pieces to get a guy like Conley. You know who else I think would be interesting in that same kind of theory? This guy is definitely more of a scoring point guard as well. And this guy's also not a great defensive player, but he has experience. Uh, what if they go after Derrick Rose? No, I don't want Derrick Rose on that team. Because I feel like Derrick Rose gives them some of that stability if he's healthy. He was last year. Derrick Rose locally. doesn't pass, and he's a very good player. Again, not this Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is what he is. He's a scoring guard, but right. he doesn't. Derrick Rose not helping them get better shots in, late in those games. They needed a guy who can calm them down and run. You could run sets through. They couldn't. They didn't have anybody to do that. Bledsoe just he's just not that kind of player. He's like a little shooting guard. So. They didn't have a guy who could help their best player get a good shot. The best player had to keep getting the shot for himself like without not, any help. I, don't, like, I agree. Like I don't think Bledsoe's a point guard. Like He, he wasn't a point guard in college. He's like, he's like a he little shooting He never really guard. developed into a true point guard in the NBA. Like, I think Derrick Rose has point guard qualities. He just likes to score more. I but, mean, he didn't play point guard this year. He didn't. That's why I, don't, that's why I think he's just like Bledsoe. I think, he's, I think they're kind of the same. And, again, repeated for the third time. Not a diss to any of them. Either guy, but they just are who they are. Right. You know, I I think I remember, I remember a couple days ago Honestly. you mentioned Rubio. I think that if you can't get someone like Conley and you wanted to pair Rubio with Bledsoe, that could work because Rubio can guard ones and twos. Rubio can run the offense. Rubio's a guy who can get Giannis easy baskets. Things just became too difficult for the rap for uh, for the Bucks. The Raptors were able to get good shots because they have a good point guard. And I'm not saying again. Not saying Bledsoe's a bad point guard, but a point guard who knew how to get guys involved. A guy who knew the temperature of his team and when to get good shots. They didn't have that with the Bucks, so it became the Giannis show. And when it's the when you've seen this guy play five times, six times, and you know exactly what he does, and you're as great as he is, you can start to time him up and kind of figure out how to stay in front of him. That's what the Bucks did, and the Giannis looked a little ordinary. So... I think that's what the Bucks' next move is. I think that in terms of people panicking, I, I don't think this is time to panic. I think that I don't think Giannis is thinking, "Oh, I'm on the clock now." I I think that 
But the Bucks will be fine. Giannis, Giannis might not be thinking gonna, about it. I think he's going to take the next step in his development, and as he gets better, so will his team, and then they'll be fine. It's not Giannis's job to think about it, but you know who is thinking about it. Not only his agents probably thinking about it, but beyond his agent, it, should John Horst be thinking about it? Because that's really the question. Should the Milwaukee, uh, should the Milwaukee Brass be worried about? All right, we're on the clock. Sam Presti I fell asleep at the wheel. And Durant left him, and now he's in a situation. Luckily, he got Paul George, but I mean, OKC is certainly not in position now they were when they the had Durant. The reason why, though, I can't, I, I can't feel that way from from the Bucks front office is because they just took a, a huge jump from last year. I mean, think about where they were last year. All right. No coach, no system, no chance. <laughs> now you were two wins away from the finals, and you you let it slip out your out of your grasp, yeah. but. I mean, this is not like this team is like now. Oh, everything's all downhill from there. I mean, they were right at the at the doorstep. The thing and is, we're gonna assume these next few years that they're gonna remain one of the top teams in the East. They're still gonna go through Philly. We'll see what happens with Kawhi and free agency with Toronto, and then you yeah, that's, that, that's then maybe you're adding to Boston. Does a Brooklyn or New York jump yeah, in right, when they exactly. get a star? But like the Bucks, regardless of what happens with be any of these teams, yeah. are gonna be in the mix. They'll be contenders. But I mean, OKC was contenders up until the moment they lost. They lost. They lost Durant. And would you rather be OKC and lose Durant for nothing, or be in New Orleans and they're ultimately gonna get a package for AD? You know, I'm not saying trade Giannis. That's not what I'm saying. But do you have to operate like we're on the clock? We gotta either turn us into think- a legit contender or. Prepare for the situation that may arise that Giannis may not commit to as long term. I think they got. I, I don't. I don't think you could think like that. I think you got to think like we're a championship caliber team that's trying to see retool our roster to see what's the next step to get our team better. You know, the Celtics' biggest mistake this season was that they were stagnant in, in off in the off season. They didn't oh, do, they they didn't do anything. They just said, "Oh, the guys will have back, and then that will make us better." They didn't do anything. There was no critical thinking into how they were crafting the team this year, and therefore they ended up with what they they got the result that they got. In hindsight, the Bucks, probably should have went after Kawhi, but that's whole yeah, absolutely. The Bucks <laughs> should have. The Bucks need to look at their team, have nonsense assessment, and make tough decisions. I think they yeah they have to be creative, but, but but they should be operating like a team that's very close to winning a championship because they are. I don't think they can be worried about oh my god if we don't get make Giannis happy. We're, you have a chance to win a championship. But, like, that would make but, him happy. But that's the that's the thing, though. The Celtics operated also like a team that was we're close to winning a championship. We'll be fine. But that's and no. But that's the, that was their like, problem. If Milwaukee does the same thing and says, "All right, we'll we'll lose Miritich, but we'll bring back Lopez and Brogdon, and we'll be right back there." And then maybe things maybe they take a step back. Guys get older. Brock, those guys are on contract years. They don't play as good. You know, somebody gets hurt, and now all of a sudden. Or, you know, one of these teams just gets better and just is better than that. Just like Boston just, just didn't play as good. Well, like I said, I wouldn't run it back with the exact same team. I wouldn't team. run it back. That'd I, I don't I, I don't think they will. Yeah. They got to be creative. They've, I mean, I think, way to I think they showed this season. This front office, I thought, did a great job of showing that they're not a content team. They they retooled the roster even this year. Yeah. So I think they're going to do that again. And I expect them to, to, to be fine. But do I, you go after Anthony? I mean, again, I don't know if they have the assets. But, like, do you go after another star? Um, Just to pair it with Giannis. I don't know if a star was the reason why they lost this series. 
Now that doesn't mean you don't do it, but I, I don't know if a, from, so I mean a star. I mean to me, Mike Conley's a star. Like yeah, yeah, I think that yeah, that's it. Well, I would go after him, right? But it's gotta be. I think the fits guy makes sense. What I'm saying, like right. to me, like AD, I guess on paper is fine, but like he wasn't. I don't think AD cha- honestly changes that much of what happened in the series. He doesn't change the fact that you don't got a point guard. I mean. He doesn't. Andy Davis. It may not matter. You know what I mean? It's one of those deals. Does the fit matter if you got Andy Davis and Giannis? I'm telling you, man, the offense is what it is. And if you can't get easy shots and you don't got a guard who can get guys the ball in the right spots, team, you don't got a guard who can get guys in the right spots. It's not going to change because you got a good big man. A team to watch when Giannis goes to free agency. Two teams. The Knicks, if they strike out, I think, well, to be fair, when I I had my Knicks Giannis smoke when they had Porzingis, and it was a different it was a different regime, not a different regime, but it was a different era in Knicks basketball. Now they're playing Star Wars, they're in this stuff. I think it's a little different, but I still think the Knicks would be an option uh, if they can get their act together before then. Um, and I think uh, Dallas. By the time Giannis is a free agent, I think will be a major player for Giannis. What's with the Porzingis? Giannis. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Prudingus and Giannis, a package deal. Absolutely. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no, that's a coincidence. But, um, no, yeah, I think Dallas, it was more about, I think Doncic at that point will be one of the, you know, 15 best players in the league, I would think. And, By 2021, without question. Yeah. So, you know, I think he'll have a Jokic, like, you know, it'll be around Jokic's level probably. But, um, and if Prudingus is healthy and committed long-term, I could definitely see him being like, yeah, I'm the final piece to a championship team. Um, and then obviously you have your normal, you know, you know, like I said, Knicks, Nets, Lakers, Clippers. But those are the teams that, if you put them in the trade market, any team would trade for him. Without yes, him. I yeah, uh, I, he's one of those guys, which is why he'll never be on the trade market. Yeah, because Milwaukee, and that's where Anthony Davis is probably a slight tier below. He's still a great player. I think he could be a, the, the best player on the championship team, the best player on the best team in the league, but. I think Giannis is that LeBron Durant type of guy where regardless of who's on their team, what conference they're in, who else is around them in the league, you feel you have a chance to win a championship. So yeah. he's never going to be on the trade block because you're never going to trade a guy when you're, you think you can win, you think you can win a championship. Right. So he'll never be on the trade block. But if for whatever reason he asks for a trade, they still might not guarantee – they still might not honor it. But if he's on a one-year deal, they may have to, like, AD – Every team, because then every team will be like, we got a chance to win a championship. If we win it, you know, we can keep him. So if Giannis were ever to go on the trade market, he'd be the best player, arguably, ever to be on the trade block. Um, let's quickly uh, talk about this uh, Laker drama, L.A. soap opera. Um, like I said, shout out to to Baxter Holmes, um, ESPN. Yeah, ESPN shout out to right ESPN now. just in general, you know, just – Feeding us the content. Yeah, these, these, these Laker leaks and these Laker scoops for weeks. Boy, you know how bad your organization's got to be run that like ESPN is just like they, just like spilling all the tea to the world about what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, like, it's usually like this like kind of tea you, you get from like one specific writer who maybe just like knows that team very well. We got back to home. We got Ramona Shelv. <laughs> we got a. we got Stephen A. We got uh, we got Adrian Wojnarowski. Like, obviously, people I mean, don't we, have the we same. We know so- we know everything happening with the Lakers. Yeah, obviously they don't have the same source. So obviously it's multiple people lo- leaking to multiple. We know people. everything that's happening with the Lakers. Like 
That's crazy to me. Like, I mean, we, I, look, we're, I'm a New York Knicks fan. You're a Boston Celtic fan. We've had teams that have been high profile in some of the biggest markets in the world. And had multiple people covering the team. Multiple people covering the team. And they don't spill the tea like this. This is crazy. Nope. To under, so for the guys who don't know what this is that I'm referring to, Holmes, uh, shout out to him. He put out a long expose. I read it. Kendall didn't want to read it because it was too damn long. Yep. But I read the whole thing. It was fascinating. Not fascinating that it was all that, like, damaging. It was damaging. But, like, not that it was, like, the most, like, solicitous thing I've ever seen. But, like, it really just, the fact that, like, these people were just speaking so openly about how much of a train wreck the franchise is and was um, under the, during the Magic Johnson regime, it, it, it's, it was kind of shocking. So I can't go through the whole article, obviously, but some of the bigger accusations were, one, um, the one that Magic really was really the most, he was on ESPN tonight, most fighting back against was the idea that he had been um, a tyrant kind of boss, basically. Uh, the article paints Magic in a light in which he was someone who was a little um, kind of two-faced in how he came to work and his approach. Sometimes he was the Magic Johnson that we love to see on camera, and we love uh, the the you know the, the the magnetic personality that we've come to know him to be. But at other times he could be quite uh, a difficult person to deal with. Easy term, fear monger. Fear monger was strong, a word used by somebody, term. which is a weird. Honestly, I don't I don't think they use that word right. I, don't, I feel like that doesn't make fear monger. Like, that's not... That I can't imagine Magic Johnson being a fear Yeah, I don't... No, no. Like, I, I think that they were trying to find another word, and fear monger didn't make that much sense. But but I kind of got what they were going for by using that word. Right. Uh, they say that he promoted an atmosphere that felt like anyone could be fired at any moment. In his first press... In his first meeting with the team, he basically said that everyone was replaceable. They had a thousand... Uh, he had a thousand resumes on his desk that he was waiting to go through. For anybody who, who thought that they weren't up to the snuff, that they could be replaced in a second. So there was that it accusation. Certainly does, uh, you know, uh, certainly create a, a culture of stress. Which is what was <laughs> the problem, apparently, was with these underlings who were talking to ESPN, saying that uh, people came to the job under an immense amount of pressure and immense amount of stress. Uh, one woman who worked there for like thirty years, twenty years, quit the team. Quit the team because he he yelled at her because he messed up some. She messed up some car service thing for a draft prospect who I guess was coming in for a workout, and uh, basically said she'd be fired if she made another mistake again. So there was that aspect of it. There was the Rich Paul is just running rampant on our squad. He's he there. He's in practices the year before LeBron's there because KCP is there. But like he's like he's scouting the coach to see if the coach is good enough for LeBron. He's on the team playing <laughs> as he's trying to get rid of these guys. <laughs> he's trying to get rid of half the team. He's riding on the team charter plane. Um, they say that him and Randy and LeBron, you know, the team, the guys that you know are very close to LeBron James, that they had a uh, access to the organization in a way in which that was abnormal compared to other agents. Of course. Um, and even the same and, Cleveland. and even, but but the, the interesting thing was though they said that the stuff that they was being reported was did not even happen in Cleveland or Miami. 
because like when Rich Paul said everything that happened was the same in Cleveland, Miami, Cleveland and Miami said, nah, fam, he was not on no plane. He was not on. He was not doing the stuff. He's this article saying he was doing. He wasn't at practices <laughs> scouting our coaching staff. He wasn't doing all that. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Miami. I I'm just it. saying that's Miami, what they're saying. I, I don't know if that's true. That. I'm just I'm just reporting what was reported. Miami. In the I 100% believe that Cleveland. I don't believe an ounce. He had, LeBron on those one year deals. You think Rich Paul couldn't run anything he wanted to run? You think Dan Gilbert or David Griffin were going to be like, nah, you, you don't have that kind of power. We're going to tell LeBron anything? Isn't that the whole reason Kyrie left? Was that he didn't like how LeBron's boys were on the planes and were able to do stuff? That's what I don't know. That's why I don't believe it. But I can't continue. see Rich Paul being in practice. But that seems, oh, the practice that thing? That crazy. I still think he was there, but he had two clients. Like, I mean, yeah. No, this is before LeBron was there. Well, no, I'm talking. This is oh, KCP. Well, yeah. I'm talking about Trishan Thompson and Wedgman. You know, oh, 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 like Tristan Thompson and LeBron, like in Cleveland, like I, I imagine he was in practice. I don't time. think he's at. I don't think when you having a real practice, Rich Paul is in right. the on the court. Is but, he in the facility? Maybe, yeah. But, but I mean, they were they were acting like he was on the sideline. If, if we're being honest, do we have a problem with that? Well, okay. So answer this question: um, Do I have a problem with, with Rich Paul being in practice before LeBron is signed there? I don't. If you're Magic. Uh, that's the little, goal is to a little weird to me. The goal is to deliver LeBron. Are you are are we really gonna now we see the now we see, we see the, the 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 product. They they were awful this year. LeBron got hurt. You know, he may not even be the best player in the league now, apparently. Now, like it looks a little different, but if you would have told a Lakers fan at the time, Magic said if he was allowed to say yeah, you know, or there were sources saying Rich Paul going to practices uh in an effort to recruit LeBron to the Lakers. This is an effort to recruit LeBron to the Lakers. You think Lakers fans would have a problem with that? I can't imagine they would. It's LeBron James. Um, the whole idea was to get... If Rich Kleiman... I think the Rich Kleiman needs to have a Knicks fan with that Knicks practices. You were trying to tell you wouldn't be excited? You wouldn't <laughs> be like, oh, snap, we getting Durant. You know what I mean? I think... And he don't even have a client on the name. You're talking about from a fan perspective. I think the issue that was being pointed in the article is that the Laker team became less about a team. It became more about one or two individuals. One guy who wasn't even on the team before yeah. they even he even got to the team. And that, that was an issue. That KCP was allowed to be uh, a jailbird, essentially, and still play. One coach said that that was outrageous. He thought that he should have either been suspended or on some kind of leave. The fact that he was literally doing time in jail and then going to the Lakers game. Playing with an ankle monitor on <laughs> That fake picture. <laughs> they said that joint was – the guy said that it was outrageous. Um, that's, I think, more of the concern. And that this guy who's trying to get the, everybody the hell out of there is riding on the team plane. It, it does – it's a different vibe than what happened in Cleveland and Miami. I think that is undeniable. When you can, when you paint the picture that was being painted by Baxter Holmes in this article, I didn't read the and article. And by these Lakers fans, by these Lakers people, I'm just going off what you're telling me, and I just feel like all this stuff, not all this stuff, but the LeBron stuff, the LeBron Rich Paul stuff, is it it's it's not good because they're not winning. Well, the guy, the problem, the guy said was that it it looked like his issue was with the plane and, and him was that. Now it fractures the team in a way that they could be unrepaired because right, it's like right, right. you're trying to get rid of half the guys on the team and he's now riding on the bus. On we the all, yeah, we all had problems at the time with 
you know, we all thought like, yeah, this LeBron, the LeBron trade, the Anthony Davis trade request, take the team. Now we see probably more insight into why they take the team, how they take the team, and why they they just completely fell flat when they played Indiana that like first road game. I mean, if Chris, if, I don't know if he was on the plane. He claims he was only on the plane once. If he was on the Magic plane, claims also it was only once. Yeah, you know, I feel like that seems like a a fact that is. If you lie, it's gonna be very easy to prove that. That's exactly. True. That's why I feel like they're doing it. Well, that's why I feel like they feel like they're confident in saying that's the case because I feel like they they know. Like, if you really don't believe me, check the report or check the records. You know, right? Like, check where I was at the date. You know, but regardless, like, and now we get a better insight into why they were playing so bad, why the team looked so fractured post the Anthony Davis robust. Um, trying to think of other magic stuff. Uh, before I get to Palinka, because there's a lot of Palinka stuff. Um, I, the stuff again about Magic not being there, also yeah, big you know, issue. Said they said that he was there was weeks, there was times that he was only there once a week. Sometimes he was there once every two weeks. Just to me, just crazy stuff. If you're supposed to be running a team and you're just nowhere to be found, I'm sorry. That's I'm never gonna I'm never gonna be okay with that. Like that idea that you're the president of a team, you ain't you showed up once every two weeks. Yeah, like that's that's outrageous. Like, and and as much as as much he as he deserves for it, like a genie again for allowing this is is is, is outrageous in itself as well. Um, so then there's that. So there's the magic stuff. There's the Rick Paul stuff. There's the oh yeah, and also there's like magic saying oh you know what don't don't worry Luke Walton if you go to a rough start we know it's gonna be a, a slow crawl. Then after they lost their like after eight games in he's like berating him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was reported at the time, <laughs> right? But apparently, in this article, it says that Luke Walton sources, which I think I think it was just Luke Walton. Probably. I think a lot of these coaches, Luke Walton, yeah, or Bill, <laughs> yeah, or Bill, maybe he was like it, he was like, yeah, Luke was very, uh, he thought it was very odd that like the message had changed just after a couple weeks before when he said, "Don't worry, if we go off to a little start." <laughs> now he's being berated in closed door meetings. Um, so yeah, it, it, definitely there was a lot of it painted a lot a lot of pictures of of a of a organization on the magic that people felt distrustful that they will be they will be around that the priorities and who they were favoring were were, were, were not going to be them in terms of the staff members then you got to palinka palinka yeah I heard a lot the of palinka stuff. stuff some of that stuff is almost worse than the magic stuff because there's the the infamous now becoming the infamous dark knight story yeah, which we're now we're getting to hero talk lane. Last talk like this on hero talk. <laughs> Where he he makes up a story about how Kobe Bryant saw, allegedly makes up. So, we, well, yeah. So let me. I'm gonna get to that. There's a, there is a allegedly story. there's a video out there. There's a video out there. He said this where he talks about to the team with the Rock, Dwayne yeah. Johnson. There, and I remember when the Rock came to talk to Lake. He's talking to the team about you know I guess just motivation and you no know, general whatever right. stuff the Rock talks about. And Rick, Rick, you know, Palenka, I don't know why he's even talking. Right. He's the GM of the team. Right. Why, why, why is he like, jumping in there? But he comes in and says, well, actually, it reminds me of a story, about, a story Kobe. about Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant, one day, we were in, going to New York City to play the Knicks. And he watched The Dark Knight. He was like, wow, that movie's incredible. I got to talk to this guy, Heath Ledger, to talk about how he got into the zone of playing that role of the Joker. You got to get in a special zone to do what he did. And he sat down, had dinner with. Uh, yeah, I set up a dinner with. I those set up, two. I set up a dinner with those two. They sat down, they chalked it up, and he learned about how Heath got into that role and, and had that focus. The problem was Heath Ledger passed away months, months, months before, before the, the six movie months before the movie even came, came out. out. Um. So so you talk about timeline. 
I, I've given, I said this on Twitter, and I'm going to say this again on the show. It's sad to me that I, there's a, I think it's very, very plausible that, yes, this man, based on the other stuff I saw in this article, that, yes, this he man that could be making this up. However, bury the path. I feel like that's a crazy thing to make up. And I'm thinking, okay, well, what, whenever I see something that's that crazy, I'm like, okay, what, where could the disconnect possibly happen? Could there have been a situation where Kobe saw a trailer to the Dark Knight or even saw clips of the Dark Knight? Because Heath Ledger going into the zone he went to for that role was known well before the movie came out. That wasn't right. right. It wasn't like we saw the movie like, oh my God, what did Heath Ledger do? Like, no, we knew he went to a dark place. They talked about it. That movie was talked about endlessly because it was one of the biggest promotional movies we've ever seen at that time. So could Kobe have actually wanted to speak to Heath Ledger about his role the Joker before the movie came out? I think that's possible. I, yeah, I've heard, I've seen people do research on the timeline, where this matches up. So, like I said, Heath Ledger passes away six months before... And right, rest in peace, of course, Heath Ledger. Six months before The Dark Knight comes out. Now, the the there were, there was a clip of The Dark Knight, the first scene, uh, of the Dark Knight, where the you know Ledger, you know, was in the school bus robbing the bank. Yeah. Um, apparently, that clip was attached to the movie I Am Legend, mm. uh, which and that was like you know before obviously way before it had come out, uh, and they attached that movie to like the IMAX version of I Am Legend, and the theory is maybe they saw that clip, or maybe Kobe may have seen that clip. Um. Whenever this was, it might have been like December or something like that. Whenever the, the month was, and even then, that's a very, very, you know, very, it's very a small. Tight, it's a tight window. Yeah, it's a small sample to be like. As a tall, as a small, yeah. Based off of you know, sample. probably thirty seconds of seeing Heath Ledger as the Joker, and you're like, I gotta, yeah, I get dinner with that guy, you know. Even a trailer, thirty seconds, you know, seeing a, you know, a minute, a, half of it is Batman. And, you know, you be, I got to have dinner with that guy. It's a little strange. Um, but then I even think about, there's two things. One, people have looked at the dates when they actually played the Knicks. And he played at New York in, like, it was, like, you know, maybe, like, December of 2007. And then, like, hadn't played in New York again until, like, February of 2009 or something like that. Right, they only played him once a year. You know, exactly. In the Madison Square Garden. Exactly. So, like... And the way the line, the things were, like, Dark Knight came out in 08, right? Yeah. So, how would he have, it would have had to have been, I, I guess, that first game. It couldn't have been the second game. No. Because Heath Ledger was dead. Right. So, it had to have been that first game. But the way the, the, the dates had lined up, it didn't really make any sense that it would have been that first game. Now, the other, the other question is, you talked about, is it possible that he may have seen an early screening, still had dinner with Heath Ledger? We also have to remember, Heath Ledger... Was, was not in great shape. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, even if he wasn't dead, like, he was on he drugs. Was, he was depressed. You know, he was and, going through yeah. things, like, I mean. How I, available was he to how available sit, was he down, to with sit down with Kobe Bryant and talk right. about the role of the Joker? That these, I mean, it just seems very, very unlikely. I give him more benefit of the doubt and say, look, maybe he got his stories mixed up. Maybe he got his games mixed up. He got his actors, his movies mixed up. It seems dramatic. Maybe he wanted to. Maybe he talked to Christian Bale. And I thought about that. He's pleasure. Maybe it was Christian Bale. Maybe he intentionally 
fudged that it was Heath Ledger. Maybe it was Christian Bale. Maybe he intentionally fudged that it was the Dark Knight. No, Heath Ledger won a almost won, exactly. won an Oscar. You, you know, know, like right. I don't think he. I, I I find it hard to imagine he completely made something about a thin air. Like, but you say that, and I felt the same way like, before reading this article. I was like, there's got to be a part of this. Something uh, something is true. I but Col- he set up a dinner for Kobe to have. But this is the same guy, an actor, who's telling the coaching staff he's sitting in halftime meetings and pregame meetings. He's telling the coaching the coaching staff saying, "Yo, this is kind of weird." Luke Walton goes up to the coach, goes up to Blinka, "Yo, you really don't want like the GM like in the halftime meetings. Like the players, like they can't really speak openly. You know, you know, people are quiet. Like it's just a weird situation." Um, these guys, you know, you're the guy that can get rid of these guys, so they're not going to answer questions the way they would normally answer them and stuff. And, you know, he says, look, Rob Myers, when I was in, what's the name, didn't do this. Plinka tells him, oh, no, I talked to Bob Myers. He says he does this now. Of course, Bob Myers, <laughs> he went to him, never once ever been inside the locker room during a pregame or halftime meetings uh, before a game. This guy also tells... Uh, they're, they're about to draft. First of all, the Laker war room separated. All the scouts draft people in one room. And then, like, Magic and Plinka and some, like, random executives the in bus, another room. The bus kids, maybe. Maybe the bus kids. I don't know. But people who weren't even battle people, basically, in another room. So, Omari Spellman becomes available yeah, in the draft. I heard about this. The Laker room is ecstatic because he's their number one guy on their board. Left, obviously. And they go on TV and they see that they drafted Mo Wagner. Everybody's like... What happened? What what happened? And player comes in and is like, oh yeah, like, you know, I talked to Josh Hart and he said that there were some issues with him. He confirmed some negatives, so we went with Mo Wagner. So then they went to Josh Hart and they were like, well, what was the conversation you had? And Josh Hart was like, I said that he was a great player, but that like you know there was a little bit concerns about his conditioning, but that was it. And the conversation lasted less than a minute. So Rob Palenka went against his entire draft squad. And, and all the work, the hours of scouting, all the research, all the interviews that they've done, had a 30-second conversation with Josh Hart in which 20 seconds of it was that Omar Spell was a great player and then drafted another guy. And they say that this is a pattern with him where he, he tells you one thing and either embellishes or it's hard to believe that what he's saying is true. The staff says that they felt oftentimes that whenever he told them something, they had to go to the person that he claimed to talk to to make sure that it was accurate, that what he was saying was true. And there were times when it wasn't. It certainly, um, it also doesn't look good that, you know, obviously Rob Blinken went to Michigan and they drafted Mo Wagner, who went to Michigan. You know, it wasn't some home cooking involved. It's kind of insane and to me that you, you would have a 30-second conversation with a player on your team, and that's why you decided to not draft a player. Right. That's crazy to me. And Josh Hart, of all people. He like, played with Omari Spellman. That's why he talked to him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, like... But, I mean, yeah, Josh Hart is not LeBron James. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> like, he's a very good young player. I love Josh Hart. But, I mean... He's not a shot caller. Yeah, he's not a... <laughs> that's all that's Yo, you ever word. think that Josh Hart in his wildest dreams thought that, yo, I'm going to have draft say when I get drafted to the Lakers. I'm going to be able to pick on the play. Yo, we all thought that LeBron was the, the shadow GM. All his time, it was Josh Hart. No wonder his name wasn't coming up in them AD trades. We kept hearing about Ingram and his, <laughs> Josh Hart was calling the shots. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. This this thing was, I mean, this thing on Palinka was Look, seriously the Palinka thing. Si- 
I, I look, I don't, you know, Stephen A. A couple weeks ago said that it's hard for me to see how Polinka can move on from this. And I thought, eh, that's a little much. I think he can still do the job. This article, I'm like, it is a little hard for me to see how he continues. The Polinka thing is interesting. Um, he will, because I think Jeannie seems to be a person that they paint in the article also. Someone who kind of like just, she kind of just goes with the flow based on like not wanting to be wrong almost. Just like, oh, I picked magic, and yes, this is a disaster, but this is what he's got to do. And oh, I picked Blinka, and yeah, this doesn't make sense, but this is what we got to do. Also, in Genie, apparently, this guy is saying that Linda Bust runs the show. Yeah. I mean, not Linda, Linda uh, Rambis. Rambis. Linda Bust. It might as well be Linda Bust. Yeah. Linda Rambis. And that she loves the, the notion that she's the shadow owner. And that she's she, the reason why Polinka's got a job. Relishes it. Apparently, for some reason, she thinks that Polinka is the right man for the job, and that she's the one that's been pushing her, 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 him onto Genie. Interesting. Um, so that's. I feel like that was a decent breakdown. There's uh, plenty of other great nuggets. It's a very good article if you want to check it out. Look, Any other thoughts on what yeah, this article? I mean, the, the, the Polinka stuff. I mean, look, the article is the article. Um, I mean, I, there were story. I've heard stories about. You know, with the Lakers and, and Russell and Nance, there was, a, there was a quote apparently where, you know, he told Nance, this wasn't the article, I believe, but uh, where he told Nance he wasn't going to get traded because Nance was looking to buy a house. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, That wasn't this article, but yeah, I've he was seen looking that to story. buy a house, and then he told him, I'm not, I wouldn't trade you for Kevin Durant, and then traded him, obviously, <laughs> um, to the Cavs. Uh, he traded Who did he trade him for again? <laughs> Who did they get back in that trade? I don't even remember. Uh, not on the roster. <laughs> that was uh that was that was when the Cavs were uh were completely retooling their roster, right? Yeah, that's when Jordan Crawford, Jordan Clarkson and right they got rid of it cut you know got rid of Wade they just got rid of all the guys. That's what it was, right? It IT was on the Lakers. I don't even remember that. Joke. You don't remember when IT was on the Lakers? Uh, I, nah, I kind of vaguely remember. <laughs> yeah. So you told him he was gonna trade for Kevin Durant and he got traded for IT. Yeah. Um, wow. But uh, but no. Nah, also, um, but I just feel like, and then there's the Russell. They said Russell happened. Same thing happened. But like, and everything you hear is that yeah, you know, agents and execs tell you know, don't like Rob Plink or they they yeah. talk poorly. They say he's a liar. He's a pathological liar. Don't believe him. Blah 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 blah. But when I look at who Rob Plink is, I'm sure he's not. I'm sure he doesn't have the greatest reputation. But at the same time, he's not someone that's supposed to be liked. He's not someone that people around the league would like. He's an agent. Now, of course, a lot of agents, of course, there are, there are a lot of agents in the league. They don't get talked about like Rob Polinka. But at the same time, there aren't a lot of agents that are running a team like the Los Angeles Lakers. Right. Like, Rob Polinka, before he was the GM of the Lakers, did not have some reputation in... in May have maybe in basketball circles, but did not have some reputation in the mass sports world that like he was some snake. He was a regular agent. You know? If Rich Paul became the GM of the Lakers, do we not think that there would be people that would be taking pot shots at him? And there would not be people that would be talking about can't be trusted, he's a sleaze ball, he's slimy, blah blah blah. That's every good agent out there. So do I not feel like there are people out there that are maybe using Polinka's vulnerability at this point to find ways to get take him, shots? Get him out of there. Get him out of there. They don't like him. They, Of course. He, he's either stolen their players, lied to them about guys 
being good. You know, if we're talking teams, you know, exaggerated players' ability, uh, stolen money from them, <laughs> stolen players from them, a lot of you know, steer players out of you know out of their direction, like a lot of people that are making these statements are going to be people that don't like Rob Polinka. Now, the stuff inside the organization, I can't speak for. That's the issue, though. Is that, and that's the problem. But the problem, though, is that can know almost all the stuff from people inside the organization. Right. I mean, he, must have, he must have interviewed 30 people within the Lake organization that's either there or was there during his tenure. So that's what's most concerning. If it was all those outside voices, we've been hearing a lot of outside voices, I would agree with you. But when you hear all this interior stuff, about but Rob the thing is, like, it's being supported it's by the outside. One, it's like once an accident, two is a trend, three is evidence. I heard it from Magic. I heard it from these people, outside magic, people. I, I don't now I'm hearing magic, now I'm magic, magic from these opposing, people. Magic, magic is an opposing. He's an opposition at this point. He's part of that list of people that doesn't like Rob. Well, no, I, I, but I agree with you that I took it somewhat the one with a grain of salt. Yeah. But when you add him onto the other people, right, and now you add them to the people inside the Laker organization who but, still people working there now. Right, like that's where I mean, I'm look, like, okay, I, I don't know what else to say. Maybe everyone in the situation is terrible, but that's what it sounds like, and maybe that's the case. But it just feels like I don't know. I I, I just feel like I don't I don't know if that's like possible. You know what I mean? That like literally all these people, Magic's incompetent, and Palinka's incompetent, and Genie's incompetent, and Rambus is incompetent. You know, like that just seems. Seems like some of these people are probably being. I think some of it's probably being exaggerated. I'm not here to defend the Lakers as, as an organization, but I just feel like if we went to the day to day of every bad team in the league, it would it would also probably be really hectic. But this is the Los Angeles Lakers. They got celebrities as the president. They got you know people that have been in Hollywood as as the GM. You know they got you know celebrities as the owner like. They got people, uh, it's going to be, they're a little more high profile. You know what I mean? So, and obviously they got LeBron. So, look, I just feel like, you know, with the Rich Paul stuff, they did what they had to do. I, You know, they sold their soul. We all knew they were selling their soul when they gave KCP $20 million. That should have been the first time. <laughs> that, look, they're not trying to do things the right way to get <laughs> LeBron James. So, yes, Rich Paul is going to be in practices. You know, yes, he had to say on who the coach was or he's going to scout who the, who the coach was. But... With that being said, those are things we knew. Polinka being a snake, being slimy, of course. That's you know, that's not really news. I think I think honestly I think Polinka will, will survive this. I think he will. I he just think that like, Lakers, I think I think Lakers would be I, he has to survive because he he's hired the coach. Yeah. And they don't have anybody else. I mean, this should have been as soon as Magic let was let go or quit, whatever he did, this should have been a clean house situation. And allowing Polinka to continue his role and allowing other shadowy figures like Kurt Rambis, who was sitting in coaching meetings. Uh, that was weird, apparently, to a lot of coaches as well. They're like, what, what the hell is Coach Ram- Kurt Rambis doing here? Um, there was a lot of issues with this team that they should have just got rid of everybody and started from new. Now that they kind of still have this guy, Polinka, around, it that stench is going to remain. And I don't still, think- I will repeat. You know, maybe someone will take that Laker money, that Los Angeles, that Los Angeles sunshine, play LeBron and and LeBron James, I guess. But get a rolling space jam. But man, that article was just might be Kyrie. I don't think it's gonna be Kyrie. 
I think Kyrie's going to the Nets, man. But that's a whole other time. Um, that's it, it, there's more smoke in that direction, but we still got a long ways to go before July. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying not to stress about any of this stuff because you don't know what the hell these guys bought, are do. bought a house in South Orange. It's the rumor or the the word. And KD bought, bought a house in New York apparently. Fifteen minutes next to uh the next practice facility. I don't know. What to make I don't know what to make any of this stuff, man. <laughs> um, it's also what, what, probably like forty-five minutes away from the next practice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, no, I, no, I, it's much further than that. Because you got to get to Westchester and you got to go through Manhattan, so two hours. On a bad day, it could be two hours, hour yeah. and a half. So fifteen minutes. Yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah, fifteen minutes is a big difference compared to going to Westchester, White Plains. Where uh, next practice? Um, let's go through uh, flames and trash real quick, Kendall. So uh, my flames this week, I'm going with Cody Bellinger. We haven't talked a lot of baseball this year, and it's too bad uh, because Cody Bellinger has been a complete superstar this year, really coming to his own as what I think today how he has to be the best player in baseball. I think um, he last night against the Mets, he had uh, just a, a signature game. Um, not only is he great to play, he had a home run last night. He's batting like 380. He has 19 home runs. He also threw out t- two guys from right field, uh, showing one of the best arms in the league that he has. The guy is unbelievable. And to see him make this jump, uh, I don't want to say it was random because, again, he's been one of the best players you know, in the National League for a while. He's a great young player. But to see him make that jump from you know really good player to, you know, indispensable superstar has been remarkable. Uh, of course, it's great to see, you know, the Dodgers and that Los Angeles team having the player of this caliber. But, uh, but you know, Mike Trout has been the best player in Los Angeles and in the baseball for a long time. Bellinger, man, is – if he keeps playing the way he's playing, he's going to be right on those heels. I mean, the, if you look at the wins above replacement this year, I think he's – I think he's at 5.1, I think, and – Next guy is like in the one range, like he he's he's just blowing everybody out of proportions right now. Uh, he's been phenomenal. Last night's game uh, against my Mets sadly was a banner game for him. He's my flames. We need to shout out Cody Bellinger. He's been awesome. Go Dodgers! Ha ha ha! <laughs> you know Bryce Harper, by the way, uh, my not guy, Bryce Harper, or not my guy, Bryce Harper, I should say, um, is on pace to. Break the record for most strikeouts in the season. So, shout out Bryce Harper. Uh, my <laughs> Flames this week. Uh, Philly, Philly. Um, my Flames this week. EJ is uh Penny Hardaway. Oh God, I'm walking uh, away. Yeah, talking about Memphis again. I'm done. More Penny. Uh, more Penny propaganda. You know, I didn't get a chance to talk about it. You know, last week, but. Uh, the Memphis Tigers. EJ solidified the number one recruiting class in the country. Um, there will be no last-minute surprises that turn a team into the number one recruiting class in the country at this point. At least it doesn't appear to be that way. Um, all the top players have committed somewhere, so uh, no more dominoes really to fall. So Memphis will end the class with the number one recruiting class in the country. Uh, they got a commit from Precious Achua, who's a top 15, top 20 guy from New York. Um, played at Montverde this past year. Obviously, they still got James Wiseman, stole Boogie Ellis from Duke. So this recruiting class is really shaping up. You know, you got multiple five-stars, a uh, plethora of four-stars. 
and possibly still a grad transfer from uh, Arkansas Little Rock, Rajon Tucker, who, depending on what he does in the NBA draft, could also be on the team next year. So, uh, great job by Penny Hardaway. Could be changing the this could be the changing of the guard in college basketball, to be honest with you. Um, seeing his first full class is at number one. And then 2020, uh, I mean, it's still early, but the way, you know, the buzz is about doing the way these recruits are talking. Wouldn't be surprised if he had the number one recruiting class in, in 2020 as well. So certainly exciting times for Memphis fans. Just you have to understand it's not going to last forever because it's one and done. He'll still recruit, obviously, because he's Penny Hardaway and, you know, Duke recruited when there was when there was no running one and done, but um, like it's not going to last in the sense that there will you know he will have to start to win games once the one and done era is gone. But he'll be fine in these you know two three years without it or with it. Um, are you done talking about Penny? I'm, I'm sorry, you talk about Penny nonstop uh, off air, yeah. Memphis off air, on come on air. You talking Memphis? I, I just had to tune out for a bit. I'm sorry. Yeah, man. Um, Penny's been amazing, obviously, for Memphis. It's dope to see Memphis back. Uh, shout out to Gonzaga, though. We have a top five recruiting class. Yeah, man. How does it feel to be a, a bag dropping program? We're not bag dropping no bags. <laughs> don't, 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 Neither is Memphis. Don't, don't implicate. You know, if Penny's don't, listening. Don't implicate. You know, I, the great Mark I said Fugue, nothing. Hall of Fame Mark Few. And also, real real quick. When are you going to put Mark Few in the Hall of Fame? He, he, he's Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. He'll get in there. He should be in there now. Yeah, honestly, you can make that case. Um, but not only shout out Penny Hardaway, but a low key shout out to uh, Mike Miller, who doesn't necessarily get the national credit because Penny Hardaway is the face of the program. But Mike Miller catching a little bit of flack from Memphis fans because you know he he also he's the lead recruiter for a lot of guys, and you know we missed on some early guys that were supposed to be Mike Miller guys, quote unquote. You know, Trenton Wofford that going to LSU was a Mike Miller guy. Matthew Hurt ended up at Duke. He's a Mike Miller guy. But everyone that we've gotten in the last two months, the the flurry of recruits, you know, Boogie Ellis, Lester Quinones, Precious Achua, um, all these guys were Mike Miller guys. So, uh, without a doubt, you know, this team wouldn't this, this team wouldn't have the number one recruiting class without Mike Miller being there. So, shout out to him as well. He'll be a head coach, I would expect next year. Should have been a head coach probably this year at UNLV, but. Uh, I expect by next year, I think he'll be a head coach in college basketball. Or um, maybe the NBA. Going to trash, my trash uh, today is... Also, uh, real quick, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but also Juwan Howard's a, a coach. Yeah. Shout out to, yeah, Juwan Howard, shout coach out to him of, too. of Michigan. That should be fun to have a fat five. Yeah, I'm no telling way. you, look, the, the NBA jam, you know, in college basketball thing is happening. The 90s NBA Jam college basketball coaches. We got Ewing. We got Stackhouse. We, we, we had Mullen. But he, yeah, we, he, yeah, we, we, yeah, we lost, we lost Mullen. Mullen. But we got Stackhouse. Penny. We got Penny. Now we got Jawan Howard. Like, you know, we, we're, creating a real, we're creating a real roster of 90s <laughs> NBA players as college basketball coaches. We're going to get Hubert Davis at some point soon. You know, not a superstar, but another guy. Um, for trash, I'm going with uh, Mount Vernon High School. Uh, not the Mount Vernon High School from New York that yeah. produced a lot of great basketball players. Ben Gordon, right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. But then they closed that school, though. I think Probably. I don't think it exists. Oh, actually. Yeah, yeah, I've heard nothing from Mount. Yeah, Vernon they, they like closed that decade. school. I remember my, uh, Ben Gordon trying to keep it open, and it did not work out. No, not this in uh, Mount Vernon, New York. Mount Vernon is dope. I'm talking about Mount Vernon High School in Texas because they had the audacity, the nerve, the gall, the audacity to hire Art Bryles to be their high school head football coach. Um, 
you know, America is the land of second chances. And I do firmly believe that. But we have a man, Art Bryles, who was fired from Baylor after uh, an investigation into his program found that um, he pretty much consistently mishandled uh, sexual assault allegations and claims against students and against his players uh, repeatedly, pretty much. Uh, during the investigation, they found at least 17 women who reported being sexually assaulted by 19 football players. Um, and then you bring this guy onto a high school campus. That's a bad look. Um, they tried to South Southern Mississippi tried to make him like a coordinator or something. Coordinator. Yeah, they got him the hell out of there. Yeah, <laughs> fans people, were not happy. Yeah, they some fans want, were not happy. Yeah, yeah, people got him out of there real quick. And I think what made this more, I think. I might let this slide and mention something else for my flames this week, but I think what really tipped the scale for me and having to shout out these clowns at Mount Vernon High School was the uh, James McCullough, the superintendent of Mount Vernon Independent School District. Um, he had never got there and say, uh, we had a, a, a expansive vetting process and we vetted uh, Coach Bryles to the best of our ability. So people, reporters being, you know, good reporters said, um, did you talk to any of the victims of the sexual uh, assault or accusers of sexual assault? Uh, no. Oh, uh, did you talk to the NCAA about like uh, any of Browse things? Um, besides one former assistant coach that he coached under Browse? No, you could talk to nobody <laughs> from the NCAA. So the NCAA, who's right now currently still investigating Baylor and is likely to drop the hammer on them soon. Especially that one former assistant coach is uh, Kendall Browse. <laughs> they named the guy. It wasn't Kendall Bryles, but imagine if it was. So, um, didn't talk to the NCA. Didn't talk to any of the accusers. What is this vetting process he was talking about? Well, oh, well, I talked to people who knew him well, and they vouched for his character. Sure, they would. I don't know what else to say. I mean, and again, what what frustrates me, what scares me, is again, this is a man now who is around 16, 17 year old kids. And he, he conducted himself with such disgraceful behavior um, when it came to dealing with accusations of violence against women that to now put him in a situation where he's around impressionable children, just not a good look. He wants to coach in Canada. That's fine. He wants to coach in the NFL. That's fine to me, honestly. Uh, but no, this was crazy. He didn't even do any work to actually see what was his problem in the first yeah. place. I mean, nah, Mount Vernon High School and your superintendent, Jason McCullough, you guys are trash. I mean, for me, I, I think, I look, I think that it's one of those things where for me, it's like, man, it, it, it's high school football. You know, I don't know. He high school be, football in is Texas he, is, is not just high school football. And I, and I think that's part of my point is that like, if this were at a place where I felt like yeah, like he's gonna be a teacher there. He's gonna be a. He's gonna have to be a teacher. He's gonna have to be a, a, a you know, a gym PE teacher or a, a science science professor or something. Then I'd be more like, I just don't know if he should be around the school. But I look. I don't know. I've never heard of the Mount Vernon football program. I don't know if they're large or if they're. They've never been to a state championship. Never. I, I don't know what that means. It's you know, still I don't know what division they, they play in. Yeah, right. they might play in a division where like they're playing in high competition or whatever. But like what the stakes are. I mean, it's high school football in Texas, so it's probably big anywhere. But like, if it's one of those situations, it might just be one of those situations where like this is just strictly 
you know, for the football program, two win games. Um, it, for me, it's like the Pete Bell in 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 blue chips, where like you know, at the end he becomes a high school coach or whatever. You know, that's supposed to be like you know the the epilogue. So obviously, it's a different situation, but like you know, I I my I view of Bryles is that like, like where if Pete he can't Bell, if he can't coach in high school, like where is he gonna get a job? I think that and maybe are we gonna say that we're dealing with, with a job him dealing with adults. My problem is him dealing with children. All right, I see. I see. You're talking about a guy who had no regard for violence against women uh, when he was a head coach of Baylor. I don't want him around kids. The other thing I don't want him. I don't want him. I don't want him being responsible with with helping raise a lot of young men. I don't want him around kids. So I, I that's the issue I had with him in high school. And I have a particular issue. We talk about the Pete Bell thing. Okay, Pete Bell. The fictional character. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a movie. Paid, yeah. He paid players to play basketball. This guy, McCullough, said that he um, hired Browse after looking for quote a man of faith with morals, integrity, and character. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw that. Those quote. are the three words you describe Art Bryles for. I mean, look, obviously that that that's not that's just nonsense. That's, yeah, that's a, that's not a, that's not a, a partially a lie or likely a just a, a complete lie, but. Um, I don't know. I just think my thing is like, I mean, he coached in high school before, very successful at the high school level. You know, it, it is. I mean, if you can't coach in high school football, I mean, you want him coaching Pee Wee, and at that point, it's gonna be like it's gonna be, I guess, in, in theory, even more problematic. I look, I, I I'm not one of these people. Like, I don't think Art Bryles is like on the I I you, I don't want to get into the Penn State stuff, but I don't think he's on like that. I don't think I think it's I think it's slightly different that situation. And so like I, you know, I look at Bryles and I'm like, all right, I mean, you know, is there a chance he can survive? I mean I look at Tom Izzo and I'm like Tom Izzo's coaching college basketball and he's not getting no heat. You know, it's it's, it's a lot different, but like we don't even we don't even talk about yeah, Tom we talking about yeah we talking about seventeen women. I mean, that's, yeah, that's not what Tom Izzo was dealing with. I know, yeah, yeah I know, him like that. and Antonio, like that whole Michigan State situation was it was murky, man. So when I look at that and I say, look, we're not even asking the question about those guys' jobs, but Art Bryles can't even coach in high school football. I I don't. I mean, for me, if the parents of the school are okay with it. If the players and the parents of the players at the school are okay with it, if the community in Mount Vernon, Texas, if that's a city or if that's a town, I don't know if it is, but if the, commu- the community around the school, Mount Vernon High School, is okay with it, then I'm okay with it. If the school board approves it, then, then I'm okay with it. That, for me, that that's my thing. It's not it's not my I business. Just can't, I, I'm not, never going to be okay. Art Brow can eat. I'm never going to be okay with Vernon. the idea that you said you did a extreme vetting to make sure that Art Brow is right for the job and you didn't. Interview any of the accusers, you didn't talk to any the NCAA or any of the investigators who went after this guy uh, for for his negligence in those situations. That's where I'm never going to be okay with it. Like, had they done that research and they came to this conclusion, one, I don't think they come to this conclusion. But let's say they did, I say, okay, well, you know what? They did their research. They know what they're getting into, and you know they're going to stand in the fire and say this guy's a changed man. And I can almost respect that. But when they you say we did extreme vetting, and then you say, uh, I talked to one assistant coach. 
that you're trash. Right. Not not gonna work for me. <laughs> uh, Kendall, what are we doing um, for your uh, your trash here? Uh, trash this week, EJ. I'm looking at uh Brew McCoy. I don't know who this person is. Never heard of Brew McCoy. Never EJ. heard of him. All right, so Brew McCoy, little little history. Uh, so Brew McCoy committed to a USC, the high school football player. Uh, nice little transition to high school football. But on a more positive note, he's so trash. But uh, five-star wide receiver, committed to USC uh, for the 2019 recruiting class, uh, signed with USC uh, in February, and subsequently, like, I believe – I want to say it was like weeks after he signed. Weeks after he signed. Well, you know what? No, there was an early signing day. I think he signed during the early signing day. But, so that might have been in December or whenever it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, after that period, maybe after the national signing period, maybe it was right before the second signing period um, in February, asked for, out of his letter of intent. Okay. Essentially, didn't want to go to USC anymore. It happened. Apparently, the rumors were he wanted to go to Texas. Well, USC let him out of his letter of intent. Um, or I don't know if they did or he had to transfer, but I think, yeah, I think he was let out of his letter of intent, but it was at a point where people weren't sure if he'd even be eligible. So he had to apply for a waiver. He's now at Texas. Uh, is in application for trying to get a waiver to play immediately at Texas. Going through fall camp was an early enrollee at Texas. Um, so also going through winter camp. Um, but this, this guy, McCoy, now we have word this week wants to leave Texas and wants to go to USC, wants to transfer, <laughs> enter the transfer world to go to USC. Before the dude even played a game, before he even got into summer camp with the Texas Longhorns, wants to leave and go to USC. He's from California, by the way, so it made the whole USC thing even weird. The whole I want to leave USC to go to Texas thing weird. Um, people were asking, you know, is Tom Herman tampering or whatever? I don't know. That's all, you know, rumors and stuff. But, like, the fact that this kid – was committed to USC, California kid, wide receiver, five-star, asked out of his letter of intent that he signed because he wanted to go to Texas. I have no problem with guys asking out of his letter of intent. Boogie Ellis did that with Duke to, to Memphis. It happened. But then to then say, you know, like two months into your time at Texas, yeah, yeah I don't like you here. I want to go to USC. Before you even played a game, before you even took a class, like with your with the rest of your freshman class, you 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 want to you want to transfer, and now we don't know if he's even gonna be eligible to play next year. He would have to apply for I guess another waiver to play, and I mean I don't it seem unlikely. NCAA be crazy. Yeah, NCAA it would be like all right, this is just making a mockery of this thing now. This transfer portal. <laughs> like, we already we already trying to letting everybody play, and you just <laughs> you really, transferring twice in one really trying to in one period. Now you trying to embarrass me. <laughs> so I mean, look, Rue McCoy has every right, to freedom of movement, you know, and he's person can transfer to whatever school they want they feel more comfortable they want to go to but as hey, look as in terms of Drew McCoy the wide receiver football player he was trash this week wanted to go from USC to then go to Texas to then go back to USC now it's just not the profile of a player that look I don't be surprised if he doesn't finish his career at USC if he go, ends up at USC <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say if I was USC, I wouldn't take him back. I, why, yeah, we don't need him. I, I wouldn't take him back. You know, I mean, Clay Helton's desperate for talent at this point. Right. You know, he's going to need a dead man walking. But, I mean, like, you just have to understand, he probably won't finish his career there. Yeah, and he doesn't seem to me to be the kind of guy I really want around my locker room. If, right. 
He's gonna. If I'm the rest of that recruiting class, pack his bag and go home. Every if I'm Clay Helton, happy. Um, if I'm Clay Helton, I'm talking to the rest of that recruiting class, saying, "Look, this guy was a part of you guys, and he quit. Do you guys want him back? I'm sure you know whoever the quarterback committed. They the quarterback was like, yeah, 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 I'll take him. Yeah, six three, two hundred pounds. Yeah, I'll take <laughs> exactly, him. exactly. Um, but I mean, it's just that that dude just quit last minute to go. Play at Texas. Yeah, it reminds me of Miami when Jeff Thomas transferred. Yeah. Yes. Y'all took him back. Y'all him back. <laughs> you know, some guys are like, yeah, we're going to take back that guy with the 4-3 speed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're, we're going to take it back. We're down to that. that that's always, talent is always the answer. Um, I don't want to bang on a high school kid. Uh, He's a college kid now. I don't want to bang on a college kid. College um, freshman, yeah. It's certainly early time in his career. Yeah, he hasn't even played a I game mean, yet. I mean, so. the one thing I would say is, you know, as just I, I no more on an advice level, not a critical critical level. I'd just say, for him, I'd just be like, you know, you gotta understand that in life, like you know, the first sign of adversity, your your thing can't just be to pick up and run, you right. know. And what's concerning would be, I would, it, it appears I could be wrong. I don't know his whole. Yeah, story. I don't know the whole story. We I don't could be wrong. Story. But from the outside, coach might have cursed him out. Maybe called him every name in the book. But even if. <laughs> Even in the book, I can't. I, yeah, if you want to leave, okay. But even if <laughs> even if he stuff. got cursed out or he got some tough coaching, it just seems like every time this kid faces adversity, he wants to jump. And I would just say in life, like this is not how things are going to work. You can't just run away from when things aren't one hundred percent perfect in your factor in, in your way. You know, you know, USC was one hundred percent perfect, and he was like, well, "Let me go to Texas with greener pastures." He goes to Texas. Oh, this ain't one hundred percent perfect. We'll go back the to rumor USC. Are, the rumor is his family and his camp. I guess because I guess high school football players have camps. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> his camp is trying to desperately talk him into staying at Texas. They that, that would, they should. And they're, they're he's from California. They're like, no, don't come home. Like because they know that would stay ruin, there, not ruin his career, but that would be extremely detrimental to his career. It's a terrible look for his image. So if we're talking about, I know the NFL is three years, but even three years from now, teams are gonna have questions. Why did you leave USC only to go back? You know, half a year later. But, but also, it also, to me, he's going to have issues with those questions. And to me, when I think about him, now he's going to have the outlook of, like, oh, the five-star guy. How many times we talk about these five-star guys being entitled and thinking they could just come on and just be a big man on campus and they don't maybe have the same work ethic, the same chip on their shoulder some of these other recruits do, and they end up passing them. This guy, it seems, it looks like he's fitting right into that. Mold. I hope he doesn't. Just I, yo. Just shout out to Bruce McCoy. I hope that he turns. It get around. on the get on the field and hoop and ball like, out. Yeah, man. just get yeah. on the field and ball out, man. Don't worry about you know all of this offense or this coach. You're like, yo, if you're nice, all that stuff won't. It won't really be a, a difference. Yeah, me yeah, totally agree. Texas, USC, all the same. Uh, let's get rock out, Kendall. With Kendall's court, what we got? Uh, number. Uh, all right, EJ. Kendall's court. You know. Going back to recruiting, more more back to high school basketball, high school sports. A lot of high school sports in this uh, last segment of the show. Uh, number one, not number one, but uh, top five, top ten player in the country, number top two point guard in the country. R.J. Hampton uh, is making it's made his decision. You know, we talked about it when he reclassified, I believe, on this show. You know, it seemed like he was down to Duke, not Duke, they cut Duke, Memphis, Kansas. Texas Tech, Kentucky. He had cut Kentucky last week. Um, You know, his dad was on, you know, Memphis radio talking about, you know, it's down to Texas Tech, Kansas, and Memphis. And, you know, it's a tight decision. You know, a lot of things that they're factoring in. 
said that they was also asking, is it going overseas an option? He's like, yeah, it's certainly something we're looking into. But, you know, we're also looking into these schools. Um, he was also asked by, by Kansas media, you know, are you going overseas? And he said, nah. He said, no, it's not, it's not an option right now. But um, regardless, uh, they put out a video the night before he commits talking about the three options, you know, Kansas, <laughs> Memphis, and Texas Tech. And then he goes to ESPN Tuesday morning, 8.30, uh, 10.30 Australian time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, was say, I, think he, I think he knew the timing well. And commits to not playing college basketball at all <laughs> and commits to the New Zealand breakers of the Australian basketball league. Yeah. And what he, he was timed, he timed that Australian? Yeah. He was like, "Oh, what's the earliest sports show I can go on?" Yeah, exactly. Eight thirty on ESPN, that, perfect. That's when people were connecting the dots. You were like, "Yo, that should have been the sign there." <laughs> when he was like, "Who commits at eight <laughs> <laughs> Like, no one's no one's awake. <laughs> no one watches Get Up. Yeah, but um, stay-at-home dads only people watching that show. Yeah, exactly. They don't care about no high school basketball. Yeah, players. exactly. So, um, certainly, look, major, major loss for Kansas. Not great for Memphis, but he would have just been icing on the cake. There is no room glass in the country. For Kansas, that was extremely detrimental because now it seems like they won't have a top 50 recruit in this class. Something that hasn't happened, I don't think, underbuilt stuff at all. So, certainly hasn't happened anytime recently. They can thank the feds for that. It's funny you mention that, AJ, because I looked back. I I looked at the ESPN Top 100 because there was a lot of rumors from everything. I I don't know if I said this on the show, but I said this just in, in private probably, that this clearly was a... It clearly felt like a sneaker battle, you know. And I, we all know the way these things work. It just felt like, you know, you had Memphis was a Nike school. We've we've our Nike profile moved up because we got Penny as the coach. Then you have Adidas, who's obviously you know you got Kansas, who's in Adidas school. Texas Tech is an Under Armour school, and those were the three schools left. Right. Ultimately, at the end. So the fact that, and then it became a lot of all right. Memphis is probably out for whatever reason. And so it's now it's probably Kansas and Texas Tech. Then the word became it's going to be Kansas if he signs with Adidas. Essentially, <laughs> signs with Adidas, quote unquote. If he picks Adidas, whatever, it's dirty stuff. Regardless, <laughs> if he picks Adidas, he goes. To, he's going to Kansas. If he picks Under Armour, he might go overseas. That was the word. Or if he picks someone third party, Puma or whoever, he might go overseas. Whatever the deal was, and he ends up picking overseas. Um, regardless. I went back and I looked at the ESPN like top like 100, and you have to go down to like the 26th player to find a dude that was committed to a, a non Nike school. Hmm. I, look, man, I'm I, I'm not accusing anything. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> you know, to be fair, I think Washington is becoming Adidas next year, and they just got you know Jay McDaniels. They got. Isaiah Stewart, so that's two guys, I guess, in the top ten that are, I guess, going to an Adidas school. They're Nike guys at a Nike school right now. Um, but besides those two guys, everyone else going to a Nike school. It's well, the, like I said, the feds, the, uh, the feds. Adidas Washington. might just, and I didn't look back. I kind of, I probably should have looked back <laughs> to the year before to see what the Adidas numbers were the year before. But Adidas might just be out of the game. They might just be like, it's not worth, it. like, you know, it, we it's not worth paying these top recruits. When we, we know we already got caught, like, I mean, it's just something to consider. In terms of Hampton, I mean, you know, it's certainly a, a blow to college basketball that he won't be playing. 
I support the decision because, you know, Kansas comes out to lose it more than Memphis. And whenever anybody can, you know, shove it to Bill Self, I'm, I'm fine with it. He's still holding the grudge. Still the holding the Not a salty Memphis fan. What was it? 2008. 2008. <laughs> National championship. Missed free throws. Um, so, uh, so I support that. But uh, as an NBA fan, as a basketball fan, like, him as a prospect, I, I think this is a lateral move. Like, some people are like, this is great. You know, it's great mobility. Great, you know, get the bag now. It certainly is makes you financially secure. Oh yeah, financially, I think it's awesome. You know, he, he's gonna, you know, now he's gonna sign a shoe deal, like he's gonna get his money now, like everything's guaranteed. Like he doesn't have to worry about, you know, if he gets hurt, you probably still get money. You know what I mean? So in that regard, it's great. Policy. Yeah, you know, but the other, the other, the other side of it is, what if he would have went to Memphis or Kansas and was great, and. And the other side of it too is that on. is that these guys going overseas they haven't quite worked out. I mean, to show me one that has that's worked out. None, great. none of those guys become superstars. And you could say, well, none of those guys are great. I mean, they're all the same. I mean, not all, but you know, the guys is there have been plenty of guys with the same profile as Hampton. Yeah, you know, five star top ten guards, Jennings, Moutier, you know, Terrence Ferguson went to Australia, and even a big man in Jeremy Tyler. Jeremy Tyler, dude, was like the number one player in the country yeah, exactly. as a junior. Went, spent two years overseas and barely got drafted and completely flamed out. So, honestly, I think I think it's less about the players. I think it's just I think it's a culture shock to yeah. go overseas, play against uh, playing with guys that don't care about. Yeah, your prob- style. probably can't stand you. Yeah, exactly. Because now you're like you're just eighteen year old kid. Yeah, some celebrity. Who's a celebrity on the team? And you're probably they probably looking at you like you're not even that much better than me. Right. You know the the you're you're not ready for the the coaching. The coaches a lot of times don't care because they're like you don't play defense. You don't <laughs> you know yeah, I don't have time do the fundamentals. For you. Yeah, and we know how coaching is in, in 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 international, especially in Europe. Like you could be out of a job. You know if you don't play if you and lose they'll, fire, they'll games. fire you at halftime. Yeah, they'll fire you at halftime. So like <laughs> these guys don't have time to teach these guys how to play defense. Yeah, you know <laughs> so like learn the rotations. <laughs> like it just. And then if once you get off to that slow start, you know, even when you come back to the States, you may have lost some of your swagger. You may have, you know, you don't may have lost some of your confidence. You know, it's just it's it's never something I would recommend. Um I would I would have just told him, look, get the get the bag under under the table from one of these schools. You still could have gotten paid, wouldn't have been guaranteed, sign an insurance policy, you probably could have got one and just just wait a year. But he decided to go overseas. It'll still be a top ten pick. He'll be fine. Uh, be harder to evaluate him. I don't think he's gonna go number one now. Like, yeah, there's no chance. It, no team is gonna draft number one. They don't because nothing he's gonna do overseas is gonna be relevant unless no. he's like dominant, like Luka Doncic, like MVP. Maybe he's dominant. It's the Australian league, which is like a not a great league. Nah, it's not the Euro it's not league. The, it's, it's not, not what it's not what Luka was doing not in the Euro league yeah, and ACV. It's, it's yeah, it's. it's Theoretically impossible for him to do the same thing because again he's playing against different competition. The one thing that's intriguing, uh, I wouldn't make my decision based off of this, but he claimed, well, you know, we are playing, we're playing two games, two preseason games against NBA competition, so that should be cool. You know, you can see R.J. Hampton. I don't yeah. know who they're playing. You're playing Westbrook or something. I mean, we saw Luca play against. Us. Yeah, play against Westbrook. You know, he looked fine. He was 16, 17 playing out there. You know, he got minutes. He was, <laughs> was out there. He played fine. So. Um, 
This, I mean, this should definitely be a fun experience to watch, but, yeah, I'm not staying up till 5 a.m. to watch. No, Breakers no, game. I'm not watching any live uh, New, New Zealand basketball team uh, play, even for someone like Hampton. Uh, the, the, I say the, uh, the, the, lo- the loser in this, to me, is the American basketball fan. I mean, this was another, uh, when he reclassified, it got a lot of people really excited because this was another uh, top-tier player entering the fray. So to see it's him, great for the draft that he reclassified. Yeah, those gra- yeah. draft becomes stronger next year. But the idea that now we won't see him in college basketball—that's going to be unfortunate. But I'm happy for him. Uh, whenever a guy decides to, you know, to oh, take advantage of their the financial situation, the one thing I will say—I didn't—I didn't make him trash because you know I look—I I support the decision. Again, he didn't go to Kansas, so <laughs> shouts out to him. But what I, I'm not a fan of—I kind of teased him. He. Apparently, he signed his deal with his team a month ago. So that means this entire dog and pony oh, show crazy. has been a complete dog and pony show. Yeah, that's wild. He's been talking about, I'm going to visit here. I may visit this team. I may, I don't know, you know, I'm cutting this team from my list like a week. You know, you know he cut Kentucky like a week ago. What's the point? What's the point of any of this? You I signed mean, your I deal mean, a I month mean, ago. I guess maybe there's something in the deal he could have backed out. if he And opt out maybe, but... I mean, I guess if you don't accept any money, maybe. It just feels like, man, you signed your deal a month ago, and you're talking about... This whole, this whole thing... It's is, great to this, drum this up whole, hype. This whole thing's getting shady. It's, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah I, I got shady vibes in the whole thing. It's great to drum he's up got, hype. He's got the jersey there, taking pictures. Yeah, he's got I, an agent. I, yeah, I, yeah, I see all these white dudes. I'm like, who are these white dudes? <laughs> yeah. I know they're his agents now. Yeah, you're happy, happy Walters. Like I, Jurassic Express or Jonathan Gavoni came out with an article like immediately after he did it, like quotes, you know, yeah, this is what his agent saying about the move and something oh, like. Yeah, they had the embargo. Yeah, yeah, clearly they had an embargo. Like, all right, just drop it when he makes the decision. That's wild. Yeah, this, just, yeah, like, this it just did. felt super like. Yeah, something matched corporate. About how this went down. <laughs> ESPN, you know, going into it like Mike Drum, Greenberg drumming up to yeah. Drama. He's like, yeah, you know, this decision, you know, could be bigger than basketball. I'm like, all right, all right. Sure, Greeny. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, I had an inkling you were gonna make this decision. That's why I wanted you on the show. I was like, all right, yeah, yeah. It's, it just feels it just feels too corporate. It felt too weird, but it is what it is. It Happy is what it is. Uh, shout out to Unicorn Fam. Yeah, man, Unicorn Fam. Uh, this guy's a talented player. Watched plenty of his film. Um, I said it's unfortunate we won't see him in America, but hopefully uh, he balls out in, in Australia. Yeah, and we'll be talking plenty about him probably draft season next year. But uh, that's a good place to wrap this show. Our NBA Finals preview. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. Of course, you can catch all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Um, you can also catch us on YouTube, New Generation Media. Make sure you subscribe to our channel. Also, you can catch us on social media, Facebook, New Generation Media, on Twitter, at New Generation Pod, and on Instagram, New Generation Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram at Action EJ. Once again, that does it for now. But uh, we will be back next week with more sports talk. I know there's a two weeks in a row we, we missed a week, but we will be back next week with more uh, sports talk. So uh, for Kendall, I'm EJ. I hope you guys take it easy. Enjoy the NBA Finals. Peace.